Welcome to the home stretch. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes live in studio with you until 10 p.m. on this victory. Monday evening, Monday night. Think about a month ago. Y'all think we'd be uh, be here still talking Chiefs football? Or should I say, still here talking Chiefs football in a positive light with Chiefs football still happening. If you are, and if you did, you're a better fan than me. <laughs> Christmas time rolled around and I thought, alright, that's it. And I'm an optimistic guy. Kyle's behind the glass and Kyle knows me. I, I think I'm, I'm a pretty optimistic dude. Trust me, you'll, you'll, you'll hear me talk my way into the Royals why they might win 78 games this year. You'll hear me why about 12 weeks through the season for the Chiefs, I go, you know what though? I do think I still have some faith in, in the wide receivers. You'll also hear why I was optimistic on Sky Moore for so long. I'm optimistic. I like being positive. It's way more fun than thinking negative or glass half full. I, I like to be, and, and quite frankly, mostly look on the bright side. But that Christmas Day game rolled around, and uh, it was doom and gloom. Even me, the eternal optimist, lights were dark. I was in my room listening to Metallica with the lights off, if you will. Just listening to one on repeat, just sad but true. You know, just going through a tough time. Going through a tough time right there. And yet, here we sit, January 29th, and the Chiefs are heading back to the Super Bowl, fourth time in five years. What's nice, too, is the Chiefs are playing the 49ers, and it's not like uh, there should be any foreboding since the last time the Chiefs played the 49ers. Nothing happened afterwards. Nothing worldwide of note. Shouldn't be too nervous about that, hopefully. <laughs> but I'm sitting here going, this is incredible because the Chiefs have gotten to the Super Bowl in so many different ways in the Mahomes era. Obviously, the constants have been, you know, Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. But, but when you look at just how they've gotten to all of these Super Bowls, there's been so many different ways. Now, I'm sure a lot of you have heard me sing this song many a time. But I want to do it again because it rings true. The Chiefs have won a Super Bowl with Mahomes on a rookie contract. That is the best way to win a Super Bowl. Number two, Chiefs won a second Super Bowl in the Mahomes era with him no longer on a rookie contract and without Tyreek Hill. Now, they've not won this Super Bowl, but they've gone to another Super Bowl with Mahomes not on a rookie contract, no Tyreek Hill, no Travis Kelsey going over a thousand yards, with a decent amount of injuries, and with this being a defensive first team, the Chiefs are a chameleon. They've adapted, they've changed. While yes, they still have the great ones, and obviously the the guy at the top, Andy Reid, their ability to adapt and find ways to win in different ways gives me so much confidence for the future. If you want to think of it as the New England Patriots, which of course has the easy teams to make a comparison to, how often did they change? Think about it. 
they were at one point a offensive first team. Tom Brady set in all sorts of records. But how many Super Bowls did they go to and win? With Tom Brady not being, or the offense even, being the focal point. Whether it was a, what was it, 13-3 victory over the Rams? Whether it was a defensive-led battle where Tom Brady hardly had a throw? They've won different ways. And I've almost garnered a greater appreciation for Tom Brady after watching Mahomes in this game. Bear with me for a moment. It's so easy when you watch Tom Brady at times say, oh, he's getting carried. Check down merchant. System quarterback. Look at all these throws around the line of scrimmage. But then when I see Mahomes in this game, in particular against the Ravens, Mahomes did a little bit of the same thing, especially in the second half, right? Now, he aired it out when he needed to. That third nine game on the line, what do you do? He, it was a perfect throw. The first touchdown to Travis Kelsey was insane. But in the second half, when the team had a two-score lead, and I'm pulling my hair out saying, what is the offense doing? Part of me understands that they have a two-score lead. Lamar Jackson is flustered. He is rattled. Make him throw the ball. Don't let Lamar and the Ravens offense have any opportunity of a short field. Don't give them any momentum. You cannot put the ball in harm's way. So what did the Chiefs do? They ran the ball fairly ineffectively. And they basically said, we are going to trust our defense. And we're going to make Lamar Jackson and the offense beat us. And as we saw, they could not do it. So while, yes, I'm a little um, upset about the Chiefs' offense in the second half, I think there's a realization of part of it, at least. Again, they don't want to go three and out, but part of it was a effort uh, run the clock, punt if you have to, but don't make any stupid mistakes. They knew the Ravens weren't going to score enough points. 17 was all the Chiefs needed in this game. They got it done, and that was the game plan. Now... Will that work against the 49ers? That obviously remains to be seen. But I don't know if I want to say I was proud of Mahomes for a relatively interesting or subdued second half, but I do think it was an evolution. Again, it gave me a greater respect for Tom Brady when he won 13-3. While, yeah, you sit back and go, if only the Chiefs were in that Super Bowl, they could have scored more points. While that may be, You don't think Tom Brady and the Patriots are going to all of a sudden throw more in that game? You think if this was a tied game, the Chiefs and the Ravens, uh, Patrick wasn't going to keep going to Travis Kelsey again and again and again? I'm sure he would have. But the thought process was, we do not need to. Let's make sure nothing wonky happens. So that's the positive takeaway I'm having. Again, I was so negative on Christmas. Look at me now trying to find the silver lining with an offense that struggled in the second half. Kyle, how are you? I'm doing well. It is a victory Monday. We're still rolling. I think, again, I don't don't know your thoughts on that, but I do think it was something where I saw a lot of folks angry. Again, as angry as you can be when your team's going to, yet again, another Super Bowl. But the, the rumblings of unrest in that second half offensively, hell, I had it too. We're sitting here going, did Andy use all the great plays in the first half? But now I've had time to simmer, right? We're making chili, okay? Not minute rice. Minute rice, I'm getting angry. Now I've had time for the chili to simmer. Let's take it off. 
I think there was more to it than just all right. We want to go three and out. That's not the that's not the idea there. Yeah, and the box score of this game is not going to impress anybody unless you're looking at Travis Kelsey's stat line, which was 11 for 11, 116 yards and a touchdown. Now Mahomes was incredibly efficient, and uh, really, what he did so well in that game was just taking what he had and not forcing things. The Chiefs didn't turn the ball over. Patrick Mahomes only had nine incompletions. Again, the box score, 241 yards, only one uh, touchdown through the air. The box score is not going to impress you. Uh, Pacheco, too, 24 carries, 68 yards. What did impress me was the Chiefs' time of possession versus the Ravens, 37 to 22. Yeah. That, that is how you you keep an opposing. That's what teams want to do to the Chiefs. But And the Chiefs did that to the Ravens. They bullied the Ravens. They punked the Ravens. And they let the Ravens play their games, showing how tough the Ravens were. Look, we'll headbutt you. We'll smack you upon the dome. We'll push you down and get a flag for it. They were undisciplined. The Ravens were not ready for that moment. Lamar Jackson was not ready for that moment. The Chiefs, they were ready for the moment. A little microcosm of being ready and having the moment be too big for you. When Zay Flowers made a phenomenal play, great catch, great run, but I think a little underrated aspect was Legereus Snead did not give up and made the open field tackle, right? He got burnt, but what happened? He goes, all right, that's done now. I'm going to stop him because then we still have an opportunity of a chance, right? So he brought him down, and Zay Flowers decides, you know what? I'm still going to celebrate, which, sure, you're excited. That's fine. Travis Kelsey gave his, his little first down uh, motions, right? Cool. I get it. It pumps you up, too. Pumps your team up in the crowd. But when you go to Legereus, you push him back down. You then grab the ball, spin it on him. What do you think is going to happen? It's just you two down the field. You're by yourself. The refs are focused on you. Thousand percent. That is going to be a penalty. And then Legereus Sneed, who, by the way, good job keeping your cool. If you get pushed down in a moment like that, how how many players keep their cool and don't get back up and try to throw hands? Got to give Sneed some credit there for understanding the situation because karma. Thanks Taylor Swift for that for that song, right? Thank you. Um, was in full effect as. Zay Flowers tries to dive for a touchdown. And he wasn't willy-nilly. This wasn't LaShawn McCoy carrying the football like a loaf of bread. He had two hands wrapped around the ball. Legereus Sneed just made a all-pro type of play. And then, just to make matters worse for Zay, goes over to the sideline, punches, I think, the bench, and then gets a laceration on his hand. Yeah, that was it was a rough drive for him. Makes a great great catch, like you said. Then a taunting flag, then a fumble, then he injures himself. But doesn't that again show who understands the moment and who's trying to prove they belong? When you are the defensive tackle, was it Jones, um, smacked like a WWE clothesline to Patrick Mahomes and then drops the people's elbow on him afterwards, that's not understanding the situation. He's lucky he did not get thrown out. Again, not just for the hit to the dome, but that little elbow extra was, to me, I'm sitting here going, that's a flagrant two. You got to look at that bad boy. 
This is basketball. He, he's gone. He's tossed. Yeah, agreed. Jadavion Clowney, for some reason, he, he wants to use his head like a javelin, goes directly into Mahomes' helmet, and then you have the audacity of the Ravens fans to sit here and boo? Like, these are the most obvious calls I have ever seen. If that's not helmet-to-helmet or launching, I don't know what is. That is textbook. The Ravens, if they want to complain about the refs, nine points! Nine points! If they, if they want to complain about the refs and say, yeah, well, the Chiefs should have had 26 instead of... The refs hurt Kansas City, and this is I've come to a conclusion here, because you're looking on Twitter, you're looking at the national media, you're looking at um, all these Twitter accounts that are trying to garner eyes, they're trying to garner impressions, and that's what it is. When you see guys, a former quarterback who was a backup for five years, who's trying to start a YouTube channel, he's trying to build something, so what's he do? He regurgitates what they know 31 other fan bases will get behind. They know, fine, we won't get Kansas City's fans. We're going to piss them off, piss them off on purpose. They might not even believe it. Because they understand that 31 other fan bases will say, you know what? Yeah, we're tired of those guys too. We're sick of them. That's all it is. It's the lowest common denominator. They are trying to drive impressions to their social media. They're trying to drive people to come and say, well, yeah, you're right. Our team should have won. The Chiefs obviously have the refs in their pockets because 31 other teams aren't here. 30 other teams aren't here. That's what it comes down to. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. But it also shows where the Chiefs are. It gives you an appreciation that the Chiefs are no longer the lovable bunch of, of, of underdogs that hadn't won a Super Bowl in 50 years. Once they won that second one, it was, okay, we're done, we're tired of them. Once they won the one last year, it's, okay, Mahomes is great and all, this is fun, we love Andy, but let's have another team win. At least see another team in the AFC Championship game. When the NFL went from Tom Brady and the Patriots directly into the dynasty now, that is, the Kansas City Chiefs, at least the dynasty in the AFC, all the other teams are sitting back going, whoa, 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 I thought we had a shot. When Tom Brady retired, we all thought, finally, he's going to retire, we have a shot. Took until he was like 45. But again, think of that. If you are a fan of... Let's just go ahead and say the Raiders, the Chargers, um, the Broncos, they won one, right? They, they did win one. Um, Jacksonville, uh, the Colts. Uh, and even the AFC East, who are finally glad to see Tom go. The Bills, yeah. the Bengals. All these fan bases, those are the two better ones, actually. The Ravens, even to an extent, they won obviously one or two. They won two, right? What was it, 2000? And then like uh, a little bit later on. But I'm sitting here going... All these teams are finally glad the big bad wolf, Tom Brady's retiring. It took him forever, but finally he's going to be gone. And then the baton gets directly passed to Patrick Mahomes. So I understand the frustration, especially in the AFC. How great is it after we grew up, again, if you're a certain age, you grew up with... Alex Smith, Trent Green, again, no disrespect to these guys, they were very solid quarterbacks, but they were always the guys getting beaten out by the Mahomes, the Bradys, and the greats. 
But now Patrick Mahomes doesn't let anyone else have a breath. Now Patrick Mahomes says, Josh Allen, you're great, man. You might be the second best quarterback in the NFL. Sorry. If you ain't first, you're last. Lamar Jackson, that's great. You win MVP in the regular season? Outstanding! I'm happy for you. Doesn't matter. You're not going to outplay me. The only guy that has one is Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow can't stay healthy. There has to be a serious conversation. We'll have it in the offseason later on when there's less to talk about. But there needs to be a serious conversation about Joe Burrow and his ability to stay healthy. Some might be considered fluke injuries. I don't think it's necessarily injury-prone. But if you can't stay healthy, I don't care how good you are. Jake Browning is not going to be the exact same as Joe Burrow. I don't care how good he is as a backup. So all these teams around the NFL are sick and tired of the Chiefs. But the Chiefs have now bought into the villain mentality. Think about storybooks. Think about the Bills. They think, oh yes, we're the heroes in this storybook. It's a Disney movie. The only issue is real life is not Disney. A lot of times, sorry, the villains win. They got away with it. The Chiefs are the villains. They went into Buffalo. They went into the Ravens Stadium. And they kick their ass. The villains are the winners right now. They don't care about your storybook ending. They don't care. They don't care that Terrell Suggs and Ed Reed and Ray Lewis are there. They don't care about your halftime show. They're going to come in. They're going to play football. And if you give them any reason, and I mean any reason, to get them going, anything to use as motivation, they will. Donovan Smith, postgame. You heard his comments. Motivation. Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Tucker sitting right there. Motivation. Which, by the way, what the hell are you doing, Justin Tucker? Like, what What are you doing? Seriously, Lamar Jackson has spent all week trying to say the nicest things. Like, please, please, I don't want to talk about Patrick Mahomes outside of him being the greatest. Like, Lamar was glowing. He's trying to not give Patrick anything to use as motivation. And then, game day, the damn kicker on the goal line decides, you know what? Good spot for me to stretch. And now the whole story goes is they asked him to move his stuff. And he goes, sure, I will acquiesce. He apparently moves it like three inches. And that's when Travis Kelsey goes, yeah, all right, I'm throwing this. I'm throwing this. I don't care. You're done. The only, I think I have seen one person actually be on Justin Tucker's side who was uh, unbiased, right? He was not Ravens nor Chiefs. Lawrence Tynes, actually former Chiefs kicker for a little bit. He was basically saying, you know, that was uncouth, uncalled for from Travis and Mahomes. But every other kicker, person you know i've talked to nick lowry i've talked to a lot it's all been no man kickers don't do that first off is he just going to kick from the goal line yeah that's going to come up a lot in the game i'm pretty sure you're going to kick a lot from the goal line because like that's ever happened yeah the ravens get down there they're punching that ball in he was on the goal line it wasn't from the like you can't it's not even possible to kick from there i'm just sitting here going Justin Tucker knew what he was doing, and then post-game he tries to walk it back a little bit, saying, you know, I can't believe we're talking about this. It's a non-story. No, man, you made it a story. You made this a story. You give Patrick Mahomes anything. It's the Michael Jordan, and I took this personal. Apparently Travis Kelsey took it personal, too, because Travis Kelsey looked like he was 27 out there. 
Kelsey sitting out week 18 might be the biggest underrated storyline of this entire season so far. Ever since he set out week 18 saying, you know what? The Super Bowl is more important than 16. They're heading to Vegas. They're heading to Vegas because Travis Kelsey looks spry. He looks healthy for the first time all season long. He's catching everything. And he just looks fast. He looks explosive. He looks confident. Like, he looks so frustrated all season long. And again, part of this is Andy Reid scheming him open, Rasheed Rice and his emergence, as well as Mahomes playing his best football all season long. I get that. But just his interactions, like him getting into and under the skin of the Ravens players, that's old Travis Kelsey. This year he had no time for this. He was huffing and puffing. He was tired. He was banged up. He has no time to trash talk. He wants to get to the sideline. He wants to play off. But in this game, you saw Ravens guys were trying to get in his head. He got in their dome, man. Drawing personal penalty or personal flags against the Ravens. Mossing them. Kyle Hamilton, you're 6'4", 220. You're the guy that's going to stop Travis Kelsey. Again, I said going into this week, Kyle Hamilton, if there's ever a guy, if you could create a player who could guard Travis Kelsey, it would probably be Kyle Hamilton. And by the way, Kyle Hamilton had a great game outside of when he went up against Travis Kelsey. No one, and I mean no one, can stop Travis right now if he's playing like this. And guess what? Now he has two weeks. Two weeks to get healthy yet again. If you're the 49ers, you have to be terrified. If you're the 49ers, you saw what the Chiefs defense and Spagnolo did to Tua Tagovailoa, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, the MVP. Don't get me wrong, I like Brock Purdy. He's a solid quarterback. If you think he's bad or if he's atrocious, I think you're being unfair. But let's be real now. He ain't those guys. He is not Josh Allen. He is not Lamar Jackson. Spags had Lamar seen ghosts. What is Spags going to do to Brock Purdy? With two weeks to prepare. <laughs> it's going to be a nightmare. Remember Sam Darnold when he said he was seeing ghosts? I can't wait for Brock Purdy to have the exact same comment. They're both on the same team now, right? It'll be great. Just both seeing ghosts. Darnold's now on the 49ers. And uh, Brock Purdy can join him in seeing Casper. Yeah, we'll see if NFL Miked Up keeps that one uh, in the final cut. Keep that one cued. That one or, or the Sam Darnold out for mononucleosis when he's pointing at the TV. That's the all-time great, all-time favorite Sam Darnold clip. But I'm sitting here going, the storyline is yet again the best team in the NFL all season long the Niners, going up against a team with an offense that's been underperforming. The Chiefs are the underdogs yet again. Now, I get it. Vegas is not in the business of losing money. But when you look at this again, you know, you damn well know, the Chiefs are going to use them being underdogs as motivation yet again. How often are you going to play the villain card and the underdog guard. The Chiefs are about to do it three weeks in a row. Everyone in Kansas City, buckle up the next two weeks. 
are going to be electric. Let's take a break. Come back. Chiefs audio coming your way. The home stretch. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to the home stretch at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Before we get into some Chiefs audio, a little bit of Chiefs news. Um, Charles Amenahu looks like he's torn his ACL. I know he was very adamant post-game early on that he was going to play. That was before the MRI and everything, and Charles Amenahu is going to be out. This is not good for Kansas City. He had eight pressures in the playoffs. Obviously, that big strip sack as well against the Ravens in this game. What a phenomenal play by him. I also love Carl Loftus. He wasn't messing around. Sitting with McDuffie later on, you know, after last game, I'm sure they got on him like, hey, don't pick the ball up and run. Just fall on it. He saw that right away. Great play by Minihu, though. Um, it really felt like he was coming into his own, right? It really felt like Charles was emerging. I don't want to say a, as a star, but as a legitimate piece with Chris Jones on that defensive line. I mean, it was him, Carl Loftus, and Jones as almost like a big three. But next man up. The Chiefs have done this all season long. When Nick Bolton went down, it was Drew Tranquil. With Willie Gay Jr. down, it was, again, Drew Tranquil. When it was um, Brian Cook, starter, he went down. It was Mike Edwards. When Mike Edwards went down, it was Chamari Connor. When Chamari Connor went down for a second, it was Deion Bush with an interception, right? Like, I mean, just think of all the guys the Chiefs have had to roll through. And I, and I think about this as the defining storyline from this season, not just the defense talent of Legarius and Chris and McDuffie, right? But the depth. When McDuffie got hurt against the Bills, Joshua Williams and Jalen or Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams both came in and made plays. Williams had a great tackle in this game too. I mean, like, it's not just the stars, the studs. It's everyone. Again, it's a testament to Spagnolo, but it. It just goes around. It's been the next man up mentality. And how many teams try and say that? How many teams preach it? But how many teams actually do it and it works? The Chiefs are doing it. No Joe Tooney, all pro, the best left guard in football. I mean, Alec Gray, don't get me wrong, he was not Joe Tooney. But he was really good. Solid. He he was exactly what you want from a backup player. He knows the playbook. He went in and he had no issues. Did he get beat a couple times? Sure. But he was going up against Justin Matabike. Like, think of that. Him going up against one of the better interior uh, defensive linemen in football, and he held his own. For a backup offensive lineman, that's why you bring him back. That's why depth is so important. MVS making a big catch. Noah Gray making an impact. Like, the list goes on and on and on. This Chiefs team is not just about the stars, but it is about the depth. So for Charles Minahu. I feel horrible for him. It's brutal. How much will this impact him next year as well? Remains to be seen, obviously, but it really will be next man up. I do wonder where the Chiefs go from here. Do they roll with Malik Herring? Malik Herring's been solid. Unspectacular, obviously. He's no Charles, but he's been solid. Obviously, you'd expect an uptick for Mike Dana. But I wonder if they get even more creative. Does Leo Chennault start rolling out there, getting some edge rushes? Does FAU 
get activated as insurance. I know you're laughing at home. I understand that. Or do the Chiefs think outside the box? Do the Chiefs try and bring back an old friend who's been very good in the playoffs? Say it. Frank Clark the Shark. Will Chris Jones get his wish? <laughs> no, man, I I think the Chiefs are probably fine. But if you want a uh, emotional boost, just just something to make Chris Jones happy finally, bring in uh bring in the Shark. There's blood in the water. And how great would it be against the 49ers of all teams as well uh, of all teams as well, right? Be pretty pretty uh serendipitous. But in reality, as big of a loss as Charles O will be, I trust Steve Spagnuolo and the rest of this defense to find a way. And I do wonder if the Chiefs get back Derek Naughty, if that helps to an extent ease out some of the loss. Again, obviously inside versus outside, but just the depth in general in the defensive line would be a help getting Naughty back. But I'm excited. I'm thrilled. I'm unnerved. But... I will be heading to the Super Bowl this year for the first time to cover on Radio Row. And I tried talking myself into, if the Chiefs aren't there, I'm going to have a blast, right? The Chiefs aren't there. It's going to be fine. It'll be better even if the Chiefs aren't there. I won't won't be nervous. I won't have to um, focus on being a fan at all, growing up in Kansas City, living here, having that be a dream as a kid. But once the Chiefs won that game against the Ravens, I'm sitting there going, I can't believe the first Super Bowl I am ever going to cover on Radio Row is going to be one where the Chiefs are involved. If you told that, if you told that to me when I was 10, uh, you would have had to wake me up from a dream because that that, that would not be no, that wasn't gonna, that was not even the realm of a possibility for me. Yet here we are. So very excited. I'll be heading out to Vegas, uh, leaving Sunday, coming back on Friday. Um, never been to Vegas either. Really? Yeah, I hear it's pretty cheap. Yeah. Like, I hear I hear the prices are very reasonable. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know, like three bucks for a beer, maybe four bucks. You're going to have a great time. <laughs> I can afford it. <laughs> but I come back shoeless. I sold it for something. I won't ask questions. Don't ask questions. If I come back shoeless, don't ask questions. <laughs> All right, let's get into some Chiefs audio here. Uh, first up, Andy Reid, hearkening back to that fateful Christmas day. You know, I think, listen, I think, Adam, that was a good wake-up call for us. You know, they came out with great emotion. Antonio had them ready to go. and But the, that emotion was the thing that jumped out at you that they played with. And I, I think it, it, it gave our guys, a, you know, a nice little, uh, you know, for a better term, a wake-up call that, that listen, we need, to, we need to step things up here. Things aren't just going to, you know, fall in our lap. And so, we're, we're taking everybody's best shot, and here's a team that went through some adversity, and, and they stepped up and uh, were able to present themselves like they did. So uh, we were able to learn from it and, and move on. I, I felt all along, though, we, you know, we had the ability to do that. Um, we, we just, like I said, we, we needed uh, just a little kick in the tail there. I think that's going to be the game that everyone goes back to. Because before that game, we all thought, okay, the Chiefs are going to finish the season 4-0, but what will we know? What will we know? They would have beaten the Raiders with their head coach, Can with Aiden O'Connell. Uh, it was the Patriots. 
uh, two more teams, right? Chargers week eighteen, and who was seventeen? Week seventeen was um, Bengals with Jake Browning. So what were we going to learn? Maybe not a ton, but when they lost to the Raiders, that was a okay. There are serious issues here, but it wasn't just fans, media. The team obviously felt it too. That was a, okay, I don't care how bad things are going. We lost to Aiden O'Connell and a new head coach, Antonio Pierce. We lost to an, at the time, interim head coach. I don't care how fired up you are. And that was the game O'Connell did not complete a pass for three quarters. It was like 69 yards or whatever it was. That was a game where you look back and we're all going to say, the Chiefs win this year. That was when we thought, the darkest before the dawn, right? It was that game. It's getting bright outside. Uh, next one, Andy Reid. If if anyone has been on uh, social media, they've probably been in touch. I don't know what just happened back there. Are you okay, Kyle? I don't know what just happened. That eyelash getting my, my I, you you <laughs> look just absolutely astounded back there. If anyone can picture Kyle back there, all of a sudden eyes just got very wide. I was nervous that he may have been having a medical issue. Uh, I would not have guessed eyelash. Um, I would have guessed at a minimum scratched cornea. Like there, there was something going on with him back there, and I almost ran. Just so you know, I was going to save your life. Okay, I was going to save your life. You're the an fact, athlete. The, you would have jumped over the that fact that I didn't move at all. Don't let that worry you. <laughs> don't let it worry that I asked you if you were okay before I started to make a move. That's my fault. I should I should never distract you. During I'm like I'm like a dog who sees a squirrel. <laughs> it's very difficult, you know. Like your dog's just like outside looking at the window. All of a sudden, it sees a squirrel and just starts going nuts. Yeah, sorry. You made a sudden movement back there. You were the squirrel. I was going to chase you. All right, Kadarius Tony. If anyone's seen on social media, he has been having some very interesting posts. What is true? What is not? What was from this year? What is from last year? Um kind of seen a little bit of both but he was on instagram saying i'm not hurt none of that said a lot more um a lot more as well but andy reed was talking about Kadarius tony yeah i i actually haven't seen it I mean, i've heard heard uh people talk about it but um uh yeah he'll be back back out there and we'll we'll see see how he does so his status with the team is is unchanged it, it remains just an injury situation that the it's got it, i found it difficult to follow what he was saying but it did seem to be that he was saying he was not hurt um can you, can you expand upon what, what his situation is a little more coach yeah well i mean you know obviously he's been on the injury report so i mean i i got that, that part as uh that's not made up by any means but he's been working through some things and um he'll uh you know, he'll be back out there. He'll be back out there. Doubtful. <laughs> he'll be back out there in the open market. He'll be back out there in the uh, USFL. Um, this is his second team now where some of this drama has unfolded. Maybe it's time to focus on that rap career. Yeah. I mean, what did he do in New York? This potential, it's he, always he was, been potential. He was not playing games, and, and he was claiming he was not injured. And and I will say this yet again: I don't mind the trade. Say what you will about the trade; it still helped bring a Super Bowl to Kansas City. That punt return, 
electric. Some of the plays he made, electric. They, they, they were crucial. But sometimes you have to say, thank you. We probably dodged a bullet. It's electricity. You don't know where it's going to hit. It's lightning. Sorry, I should say lightning. It's, you have no idea where it's going to hit. Electricity, I think you probably know. If you don't know where your electricity is going to hit, you have a major issue. Please call an electrician. Please. But it's like lightning, right? You don't know where it's going to hit. The Chiefs maybe just bottled it up for a couple of games. They got the best. Well, guess what? We don't know where it's at now. And frankly, we're scared. (laughs) He's hurting the team. He's electrocuting the team. He's no longer being electric for the Chiefs. It's now against the Chiefs. With Andy Reid saying he's been on the injury report, so that part is not made up by any means. And then on the IG thing, Kadarius Tony says, I'm not hurt, none of that. Sorry, I'm done. And by the way, don't you think, Kadarius, this might be a little case of, hey, we're trying to make it look better for you? We're trying to help you out here. You're done with us. Sorry, we can't trust you. You're done with us. But we're at least going to try and have your back a little bit here. So when you become a free agent and we don't bring you back, maybe a team will get a chance on you. You'll get another opportunity. No, man. I would be fairly surprised if another team takes a chance on Kadarius. I don't want to be negative here because, again, a lot of good things to talk about, a lot of positives, but this was a fairly large story, and it sucks when you're talking about a fifth-string wide receiver when you're on the uh, your way to a Super Bowl. Yeah, the day after you clinch uh, another trip to the Super Bowl, and you've got uh, maybe one of the most talented guys in your wide receiver room who you haven't seen in a while, who frankly does not fit the offensive formula anymore, and he's he's... He's running his mouth. Yeah, I'm cool with the, uh, let's just give 80% of the targets to Kelsey and Rice. <laughs> I'm yep. cool with that. I'm cool with uh, one to two targets a game to Justin Watson and MVS. I'm cool with, uh, let's give Pacheco the rock 20 times. I- I'm done, man. This point in the year, you got to go with your guys. Go with your horses. Trust who you got. The Chiefs are doing that, and it's working. What happened when the Chiefs went to a more simplified, or at least a simplified rotation? The offense has looked the best has looked all season long. And by the way, I was the one. I was the one that said the Chiefs probably couldn't do it against the Ravens. I said, yeah, that works against the Dolphins and the Bills, only having Pacheco, Kelsey, and Rice. But against against the Ravens, man, you got to have someone else get involved. Nope, not really. I mean, yeah, MVS made a great catch late, a big catch late. I, I grant you that. But I, when I'm saying someone has to come up with a big game, I mean, like, someone's got to go for 60. Some tertiary receiver's got to step up and have four or five catches. No. Sorry. I'm a dumbass, apparently. Doesn't matter. The Chiefs found a way. Scheming guys open. Kelsey looking like he's 27. And that should give you optimism. Because the Niners have a great defense, but not quite as good as the, the Ravens. The Chiefs did that against the Ravens with, again, focusing only on Kelsey, Rice, Pacheco. Why can't they do that against the 49ers? Again, they proved me wrong. I thought you had to have another option. The Chiefs, I think, probably thought they did the entire season long. And then they said, you know what, we can't trust these guys. It's worked. It's worked. So, I'm done with Tony. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done with McCole Hardman. 
for this year, I'm done with Sky. For this year. I'm not going to get into my overarching thoughts on him. But again, I'm fine with a Watson 1 or 2, MVS 1 or 2, Noah Gray a couple. That's all you need. Yeah, it's it's Kelsey, Rice, Pacheco, and a sprinkle of somebody else. And the last two games, it has been, uh, it's been Marquez Valdez-Scanley. So, for Kadarius Tony, I think he played his last snap in, in Kansas City. I, I do wonder if he has to go to the Super Bowl still, if he still has to be there. You know, because, you know, like the, 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 the Marshawn Lynch, you know, the whole, um, I'm here so I don't get fined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does Tony have to go just so he can say, I'm here so I don't get fined? I guarantee you he will have a lot more to say than that if he got a podium, which I don't think he will. Listen to my SoundCloud or? <laughs> Again, I'm thankful for what he did last year. But when you hear stuff like this, it makes you realize why the Giants were so keen on moving on. Uh, all right, we will move on. Andy Reid talking about the schedule for this week. The way I look here, the guys come in today. And they have uh, we have a team meeting a little bit later today, and then um, and then they have a couple days off, and then they'll come back and uh, on uh, Wednesday or Thursday, and we'll kind of start our normal week. We'll try to get everything done here uh, the best we can, and then uh, once we get down there, it's a good review for us, and uh, and still keep keep ourselves in shape and in football shape, so we're ready to go. I trust whatever they want to do. We had questions about Miami when they played them, or um, yeah, Miami and Germany, right? We, we had questions about what what was that going to look like. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done until the Chiefs give us a reason to question their uh, their weekly game plan. Ain't gonna do it. Fourth Super Bowl appearance. Yeah, I trust what Andy Reid. What his schedule is going to be? Like. Yeah, especially Sounds this, good. especially this week. Like, yeah. oh yeah, you, you've been here for the last five years. Yeah, I think you have this one figured out right now. And it's not like you've been the Bills and lost four in a row. Like, if you're the Bills and you lose that third one, you had to switch it up for that fourth one, right? Like, you can't have the same game plan. It's not working. The Chiefs keep winning these, so you're like, okay, yeah, sure, I think we're good. Oh. <laughs> Do you think the Bills, when they lost that fourth one, or the third one, switch it up for the fourth? You think they're like, no chance, guys. Come on. Yeah. Let's let's eat lunch an hour later. Yeah, we're, we're going a day earlier, a day later. We're going to show up the day of anything. Anything. Jim, Jim Kelly, don't eat that. Try this. There had to be something. If you're growing a beard, don't shave it this week. I don't know if you if you noticed this, Kyle. Just since you brought up facial hair, um, and since I have a mustache, of course, I have to inject this into every single conversation. It's kind of like vegans, or if you do CrossFit, um, doesn't matter where, where the conversation is. If you find a slight opening, you got to take it and inject yourself. Like, hey, man, like uh, this orange juice is really good. Oh, orange juice, I can have that. I'm a vegan. Like, like oh, I do CrossFit, so I worked out today. Oh, I, I, I woke up today. Like, it's just that same thing, right? Yeah. So that's me with a mustache. Um, anytime I see Tom Selleck or Burt Reynolds, um, automatically I have to talk about my mustache. And you said facial hair, so here we go. I did a playoff mustache last year. Okay? What happened last year? Super Bowl victory for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh-huh. So this year, 
as the Chiefs won. I can't remember if I did it to start the playoffs or after they beat the Dolphins. It may have been after Week 18. Uh, whatever it was, I, I started the. Uh, it's not like a um, like a tree. Like I can't just cut one hair and then count the rings to see how many how many weeks I've gone on this thing. But uh, it's a playoff stash, and it makes me feel pretty confident about where the Chiefs are right now. Again, I'm not superstitious. I am a little stitious, and uh, the playoff stash will continue until the Chiefs uh, lose. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I I get that 100. Um, percent For me personally. I've not gotten a haircut since before the Miami game. Mm. It's I'm wearing a hat every day. I, I don't like the way the hair looks, but I have to do this for the Chiefs. You should get a mullet for the Chiefs. <laughs> I, I love that. You go, you got to do it for the Chiefs. You know what? You know what, babe? I got to crush 37 bush slides for the, for the Chiefs. I got to do it. I have to. Sorry. Hey, you want me to shower today? Can't do it. Can't do it. I'm going to crack open uh, a whole bunch of beer. It's nice bourbon over here. Throw in a zin and call it good. Sorry. Hey. It's for the Chiefs, babe. It's for the Chiefs. Oh, sorry. I can't. You know, I, I can't do that. I can't go to the store. If I go to the store, it's for the Chiefs. Yeah. An entire city's morale is on the line yeah. here. There's so many different things, excuses that will be used in the in the defense of, I'm sorry, it's for the Chiefs, and they're all valid. What, what do you think the most? Uh, what do you think the most absurd one is going to be? You know what? Everyone is listening. Tweet me. I want. I want to hear your guys' thoughts at Homestretch KC. What are you going to use as an excuse to get out of something in regards to because it's for the Chiefs? Not shaving. Not going to the store. I think uh, possibly the most used one will be I have I have to finish this twelve pack of bush lights before the game. Oh, you know. I, I had a shotgun of beer after the Chiefs beat the Ravens because it was for the Chiefs. I I, I, I made a bet. Right. It was more or less a bet with myself, but. Uh, <laughs> All right. Let's take a break. Come back. The home stretch. Sports Radio eight ten WHB. Welcome back to the home stretch, Sports Radio 810 WHB. I, I got, I think I have the winner, and it's the first one in from Justin. <laughs> uh, first one in from Justin. So uh, we went into break asking you guys to give us some uh, advice on what do you think the most absurd, why someone has to do something, and because it's for the Chiefs, whether you tell your your, your someone significant other, "Hey, I gotta drink this twelve pack. Sorry, I can't go see your uh, in see the in laws. Whatever, whatever excuse is, because it's for the Chiefs. Where you can't cut your hair, shave your stash, whatever it is, because it's for the Chiefs. Again, if you want to send them, send them to at home stretch KC. Got one right here from Jake uh, from Justin. Right here from Justin. Says, you're welcome to our house for the Super Bowl. Not sure if you're on Facebook, but I sent you and your wife an invitation. Streets doing the meat. We'll have a keg. And then the response is, Chiefs are 2-0 and in the bowl when we go to my cousins. They say, 0-1 at my house, hoping to change that trend. Would love to come hang out, but I'm not going to risk it. <laughs> yeah. Very smart. Very smart. Sorry, I want to hang out. You got a keg. You got the meats, all that great stuff. You know what? 
not going to risk it. I'm going yeah. where the Chiefs are 2-0, and not 0-1. Yeah, that's, that's a team smart. Player. Team player. Team player. You can do a keg stand 364 other days. Now one day, you go to your cousins, okay? You do not risk it. We'll be joined by Seth Kaiser at the top of the hour. But a couple of notes I want to get to here. I know Chris Jones has not necessarily gotten the sack numbers, especially in the playoffs, that a lot of folks want, right? I know a lot of folks are, and myself included, at times it's like, where, where you at, Chris? Where, where you at? you got to throw some incentives on this bad boy. But when you saw him against the Ravens, you see the value he has even when he is not getting a sack. You see him single-handedly in drives by putting so much pressure, throwing a offensive lineman into the lap of Lamar. Ended up being a throwaway. Almost picked off by Drew Tranquil, by the way. And then proceeding to knock the ball down in the line of scrimmage the very next play. Like, Chris Jones is such a game-changer in so many different ways that even if he is not getting to the quarterback necessarily because he's getting double and triple teamed, he will still find a way to make an impact. He's one of the great ones, and if you watch that game, you show what sort of player he is for the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, this defense is not, what makes it so impressive is not just one guy, but I thought Chris Jones, in particular, showed his value in this one. Uh, And then another shout-out to Nick Allegretti, man. I I have to go back to, to talking about him and the offensive line in general. Think about Donovan Smith as well. Donovan Smith was injured. Wanye Morris took over, then Wanye Morris got a concussion, he's been out. Donovan Smith, with a neck injury, was like, alright, I'll give it a go, I'll see if I can play. He plays, and he's playing the best football of the season. Donovan Smith has been really solid. I, I have full faith in him, and the Chiefs kind of got the best of both worlds here, right? Where they got to see what Wanye Morris brought to the table. They see that he is pretty darn good. They see that he could actually still play left tackle. And then they go back to the veteran for the playoff run. I'm sitting here going, that was best case scenario. Wet the beak yeah. of Wanye and then go with the trusted left tackle of Donovan. Yeah, it just goes back to your point of how deep the depth is on this team. Yeah. Again, shout out to Nick Allegretti. Nice game from him. We'll take a break. Come back. We'll be joined by Seth Kaiser, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome again to the home stretch at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes joined now by the busiest man in sports media, Seth Kaiser, chief in the North Substack, only Weird Games podcast. Seth, it's been way too long. I've missed you. Uh, it's good to be missed, man. I've I've, I've missed the uh, the dulcet tones of your voice as well. Oh man, that was that's so kind. Um, quite, quite frankly, though, speaking of something kind, it's you and your reactions to a lot of these, uh, pundits, Ravens fans who for some reason are complaining about the refs without realizing the refs somehow actually hurt Kansas city well more than they hurt the Ravens. And you're just giving them a nice, again, a very nice dose of reality here. Um, again, you've been busy off and off the X. I, I, I've stayed pretty busy. I'm, I'm trying to get some work done today. One of the things that I was actually appreciative about with the way the game went yesterday and the way some of the calls went 
was, well, at least we don't have to worry about, like, stupid ref stuff. Like, regardless of, you know, you got the the end of the game drive, I guess, where, you know, well, I could have called the whole maybe Yeah, maybe. I mean, he fired the ball like the ball was in the air and it was like 20 yards out of bounds. So, I mean, what are you going to call pass interference? But, you know, be that as it may, yeah, I, I figured there wouldn't be something like that to talk about. Then, of course, I, I was I, – I guess I, I should stop being surprised at the nature of how football discourse can turn sometimes. And the reality of the situation is, and I'm sure Chiefs fans have heard this already, but it's just, this is a fact. Poor calls cost the Chiefs nine points, assuming Harrison Bucker makes an extra point attempt. Chris Jones was clearly tripped in the end zone and was maybe going to sack Jackson. It's hard to say. Jackson's so great, right? You never know. But at the very least, the trip should have been called, and that's two points. And then the Rasheed Rice screen that got called back, for a hold on Trey Smith, which one of my favorite things is when all of offensive linemen Twitter just freaks out about holding calls because you've got a beautiful slingshot tech being used to just get the defender by him. You'll see that on screens constantly. That's not a hold. And it took away, you know, a huge touchdown for the Chiefs. Um, and then, of course, if you want to talk about the fact that Tershawn Wharton was being held by the neck, on Lamar Jackson's fourth and one conversion on their only touchdown drive. At the end of the day, you just take those three plays. It really doesn't matter what the rest did the rest of the day. It's hard to damage more than those three plays, and the Chiefs still won. And so I've just been politely pointing that out to people that, you know, these things go both ways, and the more impactful plays hurt the Chiefs, not help them. Yeah, I'm sitting here laughing at the uh, at the Ravens fans who are up in arms and, and then booing after Jadavian Clowney just decides to use his helmet as a battering ram directly into Mahomes' dome. And then what's it? Uh, Jones, the defensive tackle, decides to WWE clothesline Mahomes. Everyone's like, oh, what, what? We're getting soft now? You can't, you can't take out quarterbacks and then all of a sudden give them the people's elbow on the way down anymore? I'm sitting here like, when has this ever been legal? If there's ever an example of two things you show of like yeah you guys come on you can't do that that is what happened and it kind of goes to show in this game the Chiefs were prepared they didn't let the the big moments get to them while the Ravens got flustered time and time again Spagnolo was drawing up just a phenomenal game plan against Lamar he looked uncomfortable and you actually were writing about Andy Reid and Steve Spagnolo and how they were ready for the moment again on uh the Chief of the North um Substack would you get into a little bit of this newsletter that you wrote Sure, absolutely. I was trying to think last night. One of the beautiful things about games that end at 5.30 is I usually have time to write something that night. And there's so many players to, to write about. I love breaking down individual film and individual plays. But the, I, the more I thought about it, I couldn't not write about Spags simply because he was absolutely brilliant. On the week following, a, a good game plan against the Bills overall to an extent, but where they allowed themselves to get run on repeatedly. And it's worth noting, the way that that game went against the Bills was part of why people were worried about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and for good reason. And then, you know, people can say, well, the Ravens went away from the run. The game script didn't favor them there, but the Chiefs, the times they did try to run, the Chiefs did a good job against it. They gapped it up well. They fitted it up well. They, they had the bodies in the box to discourage it. And that's what Spags does so well that just goes so underrated is he is so great at, at game-specific game plans. The Chiefs are not a this-is-what-we-do defense. They morph, and now they have the personnel for it, to basically whatever the game requires. It's kind of like uh, people talk for years, 
Um, Bill Belichick always, you know, made the other team play left-handed, right? Like, what, what are you good at? I'm going to take that away, and let's see how variable you are. Turns out the Ravens weren't that variable. And so the X's and O's, I just had to write about those a little bit. Some of the things Andy Reid was doing, it's fun to write about. But it, coaching is so much more than just the X's and O's, especially as the head coach. And when you saw how disciplined the Chiefs played, um, you know, the, in, in a hostile environment, the lack of false starts, the lack of illegal shifts, the Ravens got themselves a 12-man on the field penalty. The Ravens got themselves what should have been an offside, and then because he decided to try to do a fake tough guy thing and slam into Trey Smith in between the snaps, it becomes an unnecessary roughness. They were picking up just ridiculously dumb penalties, trying to be physical in a way that doesn't hold up. And Reed and Spags, in the meantime, had their guys ready to play tough, play physical. They went shot for shot with a very physical team, but they didn't cross that line. And that's the difference, in my opinion, in a team that was ready for the moment and a team that wasn't. Uh, by the way, that was a very smart play, at least I thought in the moment by Roquan Smith and the Ravens to try and go off sides because that five yards mean nothing in that situation. But you're sitting here going, you're a smart guy. You're an all-pro. You know that the refs are understanding the situation in the moment here. You can't do that. Just touch them. Just touch them, and everyone's right. lauding you for making a smart play. Instead, we're sitting here going, wow, yet another uh, irresponsible play by the Ravens. Let, let, let me throw this by you, Seth. Let, let me hear your thoughts on the SPAGs. You know what it stands for? Stupendous mm. personnel, also great scheme. <laughs> Come on now. I, I can't argue with a great acronym. Yeah. Um, that That is... This this year, more than almost any other of his career, other than obviously the, the Giants defense that he won the Super Bowl with, but I mean, this the personnel they have right now in this moment is about as perfect as it gets for a Spags defense. And it's so cool to watch a guy who 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 is as good as as he is at what he does get that perfect group to execute his vision, and that's how you get an elite defense. And, by the way, that's why it's hard to keep an elite defense because you need all of it, right? You need all those guys. And so it's been so fun to watch because he, he's a media favorite for a reason. He, he's a genuinely good dude, and he's such a good coach. And it's been really nice to see him get his due this year. Seth Kaiser is our guest. I want to bring something up here, and it's Andy Reid and Mahomes in the second half. And I know a lot of folks are sitting back going, they took their foot off the gas. And part of me would, would be in agreement here. But also I think this might be an evolution in especially Mahomes' game right here. It was a situation where he goes, all right, the defense is playing lights out, they're playing elite, and the Ravens are struggling to just move the football. If I don't make a mistake, if I don't have a turnover, if we just hand the ball off, run the clock out, eventually you'll have to make a throw here and there, and of course, as the game uh, to, to seal it, the very last play, that third nine, what's he do? An absolute dime to MVS, which again, the redemption story, full arc right here. But I'm sitting here going, this might be just... The evolution of Mahomes understanding the game, right, with Tom Brady. For example, Tom Brady always got sometimes knocked against because you look at the box score, it might not be electric. You look at the box score and you're saying, well, did he really have a great game? What did he do? Was he carried by the defense? And also, I'm sitting here going, but maybe that was the understanding. The understanding of I don't even put the ball anywhere near harm's way. The dude on the other side is getting flustered and the defense will take care of it. This, to me, might have been a sign of an evolution again in Patrick Mahomes' game. 
I think there's certainly part of that. And I think you see, so I, I've charted every snap of his in the playoffs. I haven't charted this one yet. The All-22 just dropped. And so I, I, one thing that's worth noting, one of the things that I chart, I think uh, PFF calls them turnover-worthy plays. I chart potential picks, you know, throws that, like, so think, you know, Nick Bolton not yeah. hauling in that interception, mostly because he was wearing a cast. That's a potential pick. Like, Jackson didn't make a good throw there, right? Or say, you know, the, 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 the pick that Deion Bush actually had. Let's say Bush had dropped that. That doesn't make the throw any better. And so charting potential picks is important if you want to actually gauge quarterback performance. Mahomes has none in the playoffs. And I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe when I chart the L22 for the AFC Championship, I'll find one. I don't think I will. I know he didn't have any against the Bills or the Dolphins. And you see a little – he's talked about it enough that people, you know, might want to say, oh, no, no, that's just lip service. But he's talked about it enough that in certain situations he's got to, I don't know, know when to hold them and when to fold them, as it were. One thing that I don't think people realize, though, there were a couple of plays in the second half that the Chiefs dialed up as shot plays. And the Ravens just covered it really well. And sometimes that's how it is. They were the number one rated defense in the league pretty much all season for a reason. And the biggest thing that they were great at was taking away big plays. And so it's kind of hard to keep your foot on the gas against a defense like that. And they just weren't willing to take those shots that maybe they would have taken in a tie game, right? So an easy example of this. Um, you know, the absurd down-the-field throw to MVS against the Bills down the right sideline where he basically, like, placed it in MVS's outstretched arm? Yeah. That is the type of throw that you make when you are in a game where it's, you know, tied up or maybe a one-score game and you've got single-high coverage with man. You make that throw. Or, I don't know, on third and nine with two minutes left. You make that throw. When you're up two scores and your defense has been dominating, maybe you don't make that throw. And that's why people, I've long heard people conflate play calling with results, and that's not always going to be the case. So you got to look, um, there was one really good example. People called it like a, a dialed-up screen. I think, I think he checked down to Noah Gray, but I can't recall. But it was a design shot play, but the Ravens just covered it really well, where Mahomes pump fakes to the flat and then looks deep, hoping that you get the, the, the boundary corner to bite, and he didn't. So he checked it down. So there were a few shot plays baked in there, and the Ravens just did a good job defending them. Seth Kaiser is our guest in totality of the season here. I mean, December 25th, Christmas Day, we're sitting here going, oh, my goodness. Uh, Chiefs are choking away this entire season. It does not get any worse than this. We'll, we'll come back next year with more excitement. And yet here we sit as we're getting ready to turn the calendar to February. The Chiefs are playing in yet another Super Bowl. Do the Chiefs just have this... Golden State Warriors, the New England Patriots, the ability to almost just turn it on come playoff time. Did something just finally click at a certain time? What have you seen here? Because, again, just over a month ago, we're sitting here going, this is the worst Chiefs team we have seen by far in the Mahomes era. And then again, a month later, oh, my gosh, Super Bowl bound. I think part of that is the pendulum has swung maybe a little bit too far in how much we value a high-level defense, it used to be, right, that, that defense wins championships, right? And it used to be that a great defense beats a great offense. That's no longer the case in the modern NFL. The, the, the great offenses generally get the better of the great defenses because of the way the rules now work. And that's fine. That's what fans are here for. Let's face it. No one, no one was complaining as the Chiefs and the Eagles went shot for shot in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. But 
it does tend to lead us to devalue a really high-level defense and how that can keep you in every single game. And no matter how bad your offense might be, even with Patrick Mahomes and all the problems they've had at certain things, if you are in a one-score game with Patrick Mahomes and you have a defense that's good enough to keep it from becoming more than a one-score game, you're always going to have a puncher's chance. So I think we underestimated that, especially in the moment, the ugliness of that Raiders loss. That was the first game that the offense wasn't just like, you know, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory with self-inflicted errors. It was, they looked bad, bad, not just stupid or something like that. And so I think we, we, you get caught up in the moment a little bit in the NFL, and that's the design, right? These aren't just games, they're events. And that's what separates the NFL from other sports leagues. And so you, you, but with each event, you have to have a new take after every event. That's why after the divisional round, people are like, ooh, is, is Lamar going to take the best quarterback crown from Mahomes? No. The, the Ravens could have beaten the Chiefs 50-0, to zero and Lamar wouldn't have taken the crown from Mahomes. That's not how this works, but that's how we want it to work, and that's how it feels like it should work. So I think we all get a little caught up in the moment. So they, between us undervaluing a great defense and getting a little caught up in the moment, and then the Chiefs um, – I don't know if it's an exaggeration to say that Rasheed Rice helped save this Chiefs offense. Yeah. Where you had one, they needed one guy to step up. They had Kelsey, they had Pacheco, um, they needed one guy. And Rice came along and has been good enough, even as a rookie, to move the needle. And that's just enough to just let everything else relax just a bit. And so they've narrowed the offense down, they've simplified things, cut down on mistakes, and now they've got three dudes instead of just two, or even one when Pacheco was hurt earlier in the year. So that's a long-winded answer as to why this team was never as bad as we were starting to feel like it was, especially the offense. But the defense was always as good as it looked. And now you're starting to see that come to fruition against high-level opponents in the playoffs. Just like George Michael, you have to keep the faith. Before I let you go here, Seth, um, <laughs> the Chiefs have taken on this villainous role, right? This, they, they've become the villains, the, the full-fledged, you live long enough, you were the hero. They're not the level of bunch that had not won a Super Bowl in 50 years. Now they are the hunted, they are the hated. Every game they go in seems like the, the majority of just normal NFL fans, they want to see the other team win. How do you think this has actually helped Kansas City? Because from my perspective, you do see Petty Pat. You do see the Michael Jordan, and I took that personal. It feels like the Chiefs are relishing the chance to actually be the underdogs and the villain here. It looks like they are, and I think it's, it's kind of a natural thing that's going to happen is that if, you are, if you're going to compete at a high level, you look for mental edges. Uh, Mitchell Schwartz was talking about this heading into the week. He started tweeting out how there were a few things the Ravens defenders were saying that maybe the, the Chiefs might internalize and take personally. And, of course, a bunch of Ravens fans argued with him because they know a lot better than Mitch Schwartz how professional athletes view things. So it's important that they you know, got that opinion out there to educate Mitch on such things. But he – and then after the game – Donovan Smith is live streaming, um, talking about a Ravens defender and saying some colorful things um, about him talking and how things actually went. And I believe the line was, oh, he's sad, which is really mean, but really funny. Um, And I can forgive almost anything if it's funny. So I, I think so. teams look for anything to give them an edge, any reason why they can mentally 
do this one more time and do a little bit harder. And that's where I don't think people understand the, the mental side of competing at this level of sports. We always conflate it with like, or we always like try to compare it to our sports experiences. But, but what I did in high school, and I don't mean like good at anything in high school, that is not the same. And even if you were a star in high school, that's not the same. And even if you played college ball, unless you played with Bama in the national championship game, that's not even close to the same. And even then, guys that have played at that level have said it's not remotely the same. So you need a mental edge. So you grab whatever it is, whether it's the nobody believes in us, whether it's us against the world because they all hate us, whether it's the how dare you doubt our greatness, some reason to get mad. I, I always say there's um, – there's a lot of value in screw you energy. And that's the, oh, you don't think I can? Okay. There's value in that, and that's what I think the Chiefs grab onto. Uh, Seth, I don't think you've seen me listen to dreams and nightmares before I go play in a cornhole tournament with some with some guys or, or me before my men's league basketball games when I'm trying not to tear my ACL. Uh, I get pretty into it, man. I pump myself up. I, I got the little Reggie Miller in me, but I, I, give, I get what you're saying here. I, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll maybe grant you this one. There's, well, there's a reason why people, you know, before they're about to, you know, do whatever in terms of their max bench or whatever it is you're about to do, there's someone will sit there on their, their headphones and listen to, to Till I Collapse over and over, right? <laughs> like, this is not, this is like, there's something to this, something to the mental allowing you to just go crazy. And if it's nobody believes in us or if it's us against the world and we're going to go crush some people's dreams. Whatever it is that keeps Patrick Mahomes operating at the level he does, I'm good with it. Seth Kaiser, make sure you follow him on Twitter at RealMNChiefsFan. Make sure you subscribe to the Chief in the North Substack as well as listen to Only Weird Games. Seth Kaiser, always appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, take it easy. We'll be back. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Thank you to Seth Kaiser. Always a great time talking with Seth. Got another good one from, uh, again, the craziest thing that you think is going to happen in uh, use the Kansas City Chiefs playing in a Super Bowl as an excuse. Rodney tweets me, says, I would say rob a bank, but Chiefsaholic did that for the Chiefs already. Uh, Allegedly. I think we have to say allegedly still. But that was pretty darn good right there, man. Sorry I have to do it. It's for the Chiefs. Right? Hey. I mean, somebody has to keep the tradition alive. If it means a Super Bowl win, nah, please don't actually. And don't say it was for me. Okay? No. No, 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 no. All right, back into some Chiefs audio here. Going back to Andy Reid. Again, Spagnolo has always been a big game coordinator. He's always been great in big games, right? But this year in particular, this is his Picasso. This is his Michelangelo's David, right? Like, this is the best he has done, especially here in Kansas City. If you want to say with the Giants when he had all those guys, yeah, I get that. But especially here in Kansas City, game in and game out, he's got his guys. And I was laughing with um, 
Seth. I said, what was it? Spectacular uh, personnel. Also, great scheme is the uh, acronym for uh, Spagnolo for Spags. But it's true, he's got his guys, he has his system, and there's a perfect marriage between the two. All those talk of fire spags early on, a few years ago, I always said that was asinine to begin with, but now you better not hear any of that because spags, quite frankly, I'm glad he's not, and probably because of the age and everything, shouldn't he be the one getting these head coaching interviews, not guys like Dan Quinn, like... Dan Quinn already had his chance. Look what he does in big games. Um, Lou Anarumo for the Bengals has been pretty good in big games. But like even Sean McDermott and a lot of those guys, uh, who was the Bengals defensive coordinator for a while? Uh, he, I think he left, right? Was it Leslie Frazier? Right, Leslie Frazier. Great during the regular season. Playoffs come around. Chokes. Steve Wilkes to an extent with the 49ers, right? Great during the regular season. Playoffs come around. What happens? Like... Spags has always been the opposite to an extent where he's been like, all right, regular season's been okay. But there's another level, another gear we can get to come playoff time. Spags has it. Very rarely do other defensive coordinators or coordinators in in general have it because you're playing the best competition now. You would expect teams to have a better chance of going up against you, right? You're playing better competition. But against Spags in the playoffs... Seemingly, he gets better. All right, now here is Andy Reid talking about the hiring back in the day of Spagnolo. That was important. Um, we have a history together, so um, I, I knew what to expect and where he would go with things. Um, he had a young bunch and um, an older group that was tremendous for us, but they, they had kind of aged out, and uh, we then we had this influx of new player, new young guys, and uh, what he did with them, I thought was great, uh, of teaching. All of his guys did that. They did a great job of teaching. And uh, the kids were receptive to it, and then you're seeing, seeing the rewards of that now. What is interesting was last year when he had all those rookies, remember? And even guys like, if you remember Rashad Fenton, right? Rashad Fenton, by the way, you look back, he was a six-rounder, didn't play a ton, but he was pretty instrumental in a Super Bowl, right? Against the first time around against was the 49ers, right? I mean, like, think of all the players who have come through Kansas City, the rotation, the guys, unheralded dudes, un- Shaverius Ward, who was undrafted, who's now in San Fran as an all-pro, the guy who got the last nod over, Legereus Sneed. But just think of all the guys, Bashad Breeland, the dudes, Kendall Fuller, who've rotated in and out with Spags. I don't know if Kendall Fuller was that. Was he here still when Spags was here? Yeah, he was. Hey, but but I'm just thinking of all the different guys and names. It hasn't just been a, oh, yeah, we got Jalen Ramsey back there. Oh, yeah, we have all these guys. It's been a rotation, and this year was one of the first years we really had a solid core of guys where almost everyone was back. Like, a couple different dudes, and especially with Brian Cook, who was a starter who went out with injury. But you have you know Mike Edwards and Drew Tranquil and Charles Minnow, who has the new faces. But he finally had a group of guys who have all been here in the system 
the main guys. Legereus Sneed's been in the system. Trent McDuffie now in year two. Brian Cook was going to enter year two. You know, Nick Bolton's now been here. Willie Gay Jr., Leo Chennault, um, you know, Mike Dana's still here. George Karloftis, Turk Wharton, Derek Nottie. You're just looking around at a whole bunch of guys who have been here now understand what Spags wants from these guys. And you saw it take a step up. You saw some of the intricacies and even some of the new guys here with Mike Edwards, right? I mean, you saw against the Dolphins when Tua took a little through the interception. It was too high shell down into they were going to fake it. Is it going to be just one uh, one safety deep and he was going to come to the line of scrimmage and then he switches back and he's the dude that makes the interception. Like that's high level stuff. You see the switching off from Trent McDuffie and Legereus Sneed in the backfield on crossing routes. Like you're seeing the next evolution and that comes from guys who A, trust each other, obviously, but who have played with each other and know each other's tendencies. So when last year, I remember it was Rashad Fenton, I believe, was traded at the beginning of last year? Uh, in the middle. In the, in the middle, middle, right? And they focused more on Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams. He went into the year going, you know, it's great to have rookies, but you don't want them all at once. And at halfway point, I think the team was like, "We sorry, Rashad Fenton's solid. He's fine. What's Fenton doing now, by the way? Again, a testament to how good Spags and his defense is, and Dave Merritt, too, um, what they can get from these secondary members. Hey, you're, it was, what was it? Um, who was the first baseman? Carlos Pena? For, for the A's. In Moneyball, yeah. In Moneyball, yeah, then yeah, went yeah. to Tampa. It was, hey, that's great and all. You want to play him? You can't play him. He plays for Detroit now. Yeah, he <laughs> plays for Sorry, sorry you, you can no longer play him. You're playing the young guys. So Spags went into last year going like, you love having the rookies been all at once. And eventually, kind of, Brett Veach like, that's fine. You're done playing Rashad Fenton, though. You're going to play the young guys. And it worked, but it was still a little bit vanilla. So this year, all those guys are back. And the forcing of the hand to play the young cats... They have now, again, we're not talking about six-year Wiley veterans on this defense for the most part. You're talking about second- and third-year players. But just because they got that taste last year, look at what they've done now. So from Spagnuolo going, I don't always like having all these rookies all at once, to now this season going, all right, this team is electric, they're elite defensively, and now they all understand Spag's system. You're seeing the results. So I don't think it's just this year. Yeah, the signings of Aminahu and, and, and Edwards and Tranquil have been instrumental, or, uh, instrumental in what they've done. But I do think if you look back to last year and the groundwork, the framework, the, the plan that was laid, a lot of times you don't always see the results. You know, you always laugh and say, you know, uh, overnight, um, was it overnight celebrity or overnight sensations were really years in the making. But that's really what this was. We're all of a sudden saying, yeah, this Chiefs defense all of a sudden hit hit and turned on a switch when in reality the groundwork was laid years before with a first-rounder in McDuffie, a first-rounder with Karloftis, right? A second contract to Chris Jones, the plethora of draft capital spent at the linebacker position. I know it's easy to say, you know, it's it's all one year, everything's clicking. Sure it is, but the the framework, the groundwork was laid years in advance. That's why whenever wants to get all these wide receivers, by the way, I push back a little bit. I don't disagree uh, that the Chiefs don't need help there. But don't go all in. Don't all of a sudden say, we need a first rounder, a third rounder, we need a veteran, we need this. Because it's a rubber band effect. Because the Chiefs did focus so heavily on defense, what happened to wide receiver? 
again, if you focus all on wide receiver, what happens then on the defense or the offensive line? In the salary cap era, you won't have all pros at every single position. I'm sorry, it's not the way it works. Especially with the quarterback on a second contract or non-rookie contract. That's my one pushback to uh, the, the wide receiver. I know I'm on a little bit of a tangent here, but the main point I'm trying to get across here is this defense, they've been here, they understand Spags, and oh boy, is Spags loving the results. Yeah, the results speak for themselves. Three games, they've allowed, let me do the math, uh, 40, 41 total points. It's 41. That's <laughs> against the Dolphins, who scored 70 yep. in a game. Against the Bills, who were being very prolific offensively, even if at times some of their box score numbers didn't show it. A lot of the analytical numbers showed that the Ravens, I mean, the uh, Bills were very talented offensively. And then the Ravens, who have been phenomenal all season, 10 points. 10! And 7 came from, quite frankly, again, give it to Lamar. That was Lamar doing Lamar things. Yeah. That was nothing you could really do defensively. You could say, yeah, bring him down, Leo, but way easier said than done. The Chiefs' defense was unreal. So impressed. All right, next clip. Let's go to Andy Reid on where this defense ranks. Is it one of the better defenses? Yeah, I'd say it's one of the better defenses uh, that I've that I've been around. I, we had some real good ones in um, in Philadelphia uh, and some of the early defenses here. I don't want to slate those guys. They they did a nice job for us. So, um, but but surely this is a this is a team this is a, a defense that has helped uh, guide this team along as the offense uh, was growing. So um, and now that both are are playing well it's it's uh you know that's a, a tribute to everybody involved what steve has done and then what nag has done on the offensive side of helping it grow he, he's always going to give a little bit of a coy answer gave credit to obviously all those eagles teams who they were obviously very good defensively but even the the, the time here in kansas City, some of those earlier teams what Derek johnson tom bahali justin houston eric barry there were some really good defenses when he first got here but he brought up a very good point that might go a little under the radar, not as far as how good the defense was and the offense struggled, but how many games did the defense win for Kansas City that if that defense did not play the way they did early on this year, the Chiefs would have maybe missed the playoffs or wouldn't have been a three seed? Yeah, yeah, maybe I, it wouldn't have mattered, yeah, obviously. But, lower than a three seed. But because... Of how good the defense was. The defense being that good early on allowed Rasheed Rice to grow. If you would have had to have Rasheed Rice do what he's doing now week one, Chiefs would have been screwed. Right? Because the Chiefs defense was as good as they were, it allowed the Chiefs to tinker and play around with the wide receiver rotation. It allowed them to say, all right, can we go with this? Can we do this? What can we do? It allowed them to find out that yeah, Isaiah Pacheco running the ball 20-plus times a game is a good strategy. How often would you have said that running the ball in the Mahomes era was a uh, super prudent thing to do? It allowed them to get Noah Gray more involved. It allowed them to even, to an extent, see what Clyde had left in the tank. Chiefs defense being as good as they've been from the get-go allowed the offense to try and figure out what does and what does not work. You're absolutely right. They they took the weight off of 
honestly Pat's shoulders, to be honest with you, to allow that offense to go through growing pains, to allow you know Travis Kelsey to not have to carry the world on his back, and he yeah. may have been you know more banged up than we actually thought he was. The defense took off so much weight from. Really, I mean, the superstars of this team. Yeah. And now it might not always show it because we were all frustrated with the offense and you saw the anger or the unsettling Mahomes and the um, some of the yellings on the sideline and that stuff. I get that. But it could have been way, way worse is the point I'm trying to make if that defense was not elite from week one on. Uh, all right, next where uh, next one is Andy Reid. And Andy Reid's talking. <laughs> this play was nuts, man. The Patrick Mahomes third down completion to Travis Kelsey, where Travis Kelsey just absolutely lays out like he's Jim Edmonds tracking a ball. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had all day moving around, moving around. As I scream at the TV, throw it, throw it, throw it. There's a massive guy behind you. He gets it away right before he gets absolutely just just creamed by the Ravens' defensive lineman. And who's there? Travis freaking Kelsey. So here's Andy Reid talking about that improv play, that third down play from Pat to Trav. Yeah, he was working more across, and he kind of came back on that a bit. Just that Pat was moving, so he had to get himself in position to, uh, to get that. I mean, the fact that he laid out like that, I mean, I've seen him do a lot of things. I really haven't seen that right there where he had to yeah. be in that position uh, parallel to the ground and two inches off of the ground to, to make the catch. That's tough without the ball hitting the turf there. So um, it was a great job by him. And so I guess he's kept in the pocket for a while and showed us. I love that. Somebody's left in the pocket for a while. I don't know if you leave it in the pocket. That's just a Hall of Famer to another Hall of Famer making Hall of Fame plays. Like, I don't know if Travis Kelsey in that moment was sitting there like, this is what I'm going to have to do. Yeah, I'm going to have to die for this ball. This was a guy who's played with Pat so much, who understands to work back to the ball and knows what he needs to do. And then Mahomes just trusting him on a 50-50 ball. Not even 50-50. The defender had no chance in that play. I mean, that's another part of that play. You might say it was reckless, but there was a no danger of being intercepted. There wasn't even danger of being knocked down. At worst, it was going to be an incompletion because, again, Travis Kelsey had to show some incredible hand strength to get his hands underneath that ball and then not let it touch. Again, one of the takeaways I've had all playoff long is how many times has Mahomes put the ball in harm's way? How many times have you seen Mahomes make a throw? You go, oh, who wants that one back? I mean, you heard Seth Kaiser. He talked about it, like he's made zero, zero um, plays that could have been intercepted. Just, just none. He's been incredible. His best football is being saved for the best teams he's facing. And again, why I think the national media sometimes has a hard time picking the Chiefs in these games. And sometimes I think we do, too. We get enamored with the other team's defenses. We go, yeah, it's great, but, you know, the Dolphins, the Bills, they were banged up. They're not great. But then we sometimes fail to realize it doesn't matter. It does not matter who the Chiefs play. Mahomes is going to torch them. It doesn't matter that the Ravens had a historically good defense at all three levels. It didn't matter that you had the 6'4", 220 Kyle Hamilton, all-pro safety lined up against Travis Kelsey. 
That was great defense on the touchdown catch that Kelsey made. That was phenomenal. What more could he have done? That was just, again, a Hall of Famer to a Hall of Famer making the better play. Sometimes we get so enamored that they're the number one defense. Look what they can do. They can do all these things. Doesn't matter. And it's hard for us to wrap our head around sometimes. It really is. It's hard to realize that, okay, the Ravens are great. And again, the Ravens did play pretty good defensively in that game. They, they, they really did. But it didn't matter. You can have the perfect defense in today's NFL. Perfect offense is going to win. I say the same thing in the NBA all the time, just using an NBA comparison here. When people say, like, the NBA, they don't play defense anymore. Also, it's because... The offense drafts, or the, the NBA drafts players who are so good offensively. They draft guys who've been the best offensive player on their middle school team, their high school team, their AAU team, their college team. You're not drafting Dikembe Mutombo's hardly at all anymore. Now, maybe you, you, you can make the case that they should, but the thought process is in today's NBA, offense is king. The best offense will always beat the best defense. So let's focus on drafting the best offensive players. I don't care how good a defense you put on Kevin Durant. If he makes the the play that he knows he can make, you aren't stopping him. You weren't stopping Kobe. You weren't stopping uh, Michael Jordan. Just how in the NFL, with the way the rules are, NBA, you can't hand check anymore. In the NFL, cornerbacks, you can't hand check anymore. You can't hand fight down the field. It's tooled towards the offense. So what do teams do? Well, a lot of times you draft offensive players. You try and focus on these wide receivers because they can make big impact plays. Offense that is run to perfection will always beat defense that is run to perfection. I'm sorry, you may not like it. That's the way the NFL is. When everyone was talking about it, even like with Sessing, you know, defense wins championships. Yeah, it does to an extent until you run into the best offense. I don't care how good the Ravens defense is. I don't care how good the 49ers defense is. Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and to an extent Andy Reid and his offense as a whole has shown, you can be the number one ranked defense. They will still find a way. You will not see a 3-point, 10-point, 13-point performance. It won't matter. If it's a close game, again, I will still stand on the fact that if it was tied or a one-score game in the second half against the Ravens, they would not have played so uh, conservatively. But because it was, they just weren't going to make the mistake. If it's a one-score game, or the Chiefs are up three, or it's a tied game against the Niners, you better expect Travis Kelsey, if he was having the same first half, he's going 20 catches, 20 targets, 200. That's what the Chiefs are going to do, because it does not matter. You cannot stop these guys. They're that good. And again, it's so hard, I think, for us, for the media, national and otherwise, to understand. They can be the number one ranked defense. The Chiefs treat them like they're 15th or 20th. It's what happens. Uh, another shout-out I want to make uh, in this game was Drew Tranquil. Uh, Drew Tranquil has been one of the best, the best cheap signing the Chiefs have ever made. Like, Tyron Matthew was a pretty healthy sign. That was three-year, four-to-two, right, right? right? And I'm not, I'm not going to say that Drew Tranquil's been more imp- impactful than the first two years specifically of Tyron Matthew's Chiefs career. But as far as a one-year flyer... Can you think of another player who's been this impactful? No, not at all. I mean, Donovan, Donovan Smith cost more than than Drew, than Drew Tranquil signed for. Drew was like under $5 million. Drew Tranquil signed a one-year $3 million contract. 
One year, three million. Signing bonus was one point four. Dead cap or a cap hit of two point nine million. I mean, this has to be the best cheap contract I can think of. I I don't want to say NFL history because I, I I can guarantee I'm probably blanking on some, but the fact that Drew Tranquil has, I think I'm willing to admit it now, I think, because of also the playing time in, in general and stuff, been the best linebacker the Chiefs have had. I'm a, I'm a Nick Bolton guy. You will not hear Nick Bolton slander from me. Yeah, Nick Bolton has struggled, though, this playoffs. Nick Bolton's been injured. Drew, Drew Tranquil has been the, the glue. He's been the, the duct tape. Not just for Bolton at times, but for really Gay Jr. and his injuries to allow Leo Chanel to still uh, grow into his role. When he was signed, we saw the contract, so no one was upset with the contract, but there was still a little bit of, well, where does he fit into the equation here? Is he just yeah. a, a depth piece? Yeah, I was worried about Willie Gay's uh, his snap count. Was Willie Gay going to lose? What, what about Leo's growth? Drew has been. The consummate teammate, he's been everywhere. He's played all three linebacker spots. He's been the green dot when Bolton goes down. He's forced two fumbles. He has five sacks. Yeah, I forget about his blitzing ability, too. He, he's gotten home when Spag sends him. His uh, coverage grade is 68, according to PFF. So I'm going to use PFF, of course, when it helps me, and I'm going to slander it when it goes against what I have to say. Um, thems are the rules. Uh, his pass rush grade... That is beyond elite. His run defense has actually been relatively poor. 54.4, which actually I understand. Drew Tranquil is not known as a run-stopping linebacker. He's been solid there. He's been improved there. But that's what Nick Bolton's for. That's what Leo's for. That's what, to an extent, Willie Gay Jr.'s for. Drew Tranquil being that good in pass coverage and that good as a pass pass rusher. He's the linebacker version of Tyron Matthew. He's the chess piece. He allows Spags to draw up all these unique plays. And if you're a quarterback, you have no idea if he's coming on a blitz, if he's dropping into coverage, if he's going up against George Kittle, if he's going up against CMC, if he's going to be the spy... I mean, again, this is why I, I say with two weeks to prep for the Niners and you have a healthy Drew, you hopefully have a healthy Willie Gay Jr., right? You're hoping two weeks that neck, again, sounded like he was legitimately questionable heading into that game. You have a healthy defense. Obviously, no Charles Aminahu. You're sitting back going, I feel bad for Brock Purdy. Not actually feel bad. I'm not going to feel bad. But you're sitting here going... This is about to be the most complex defense Brock Purdy has ever seen in his young NFL career. I get he's a quick processor. It's going to be tough to process when you're on your back. It's going to be tough to process when you have no idea what Legereus, McDuffie, what Drew, what Shamari, what Mike Edwards, what Justin Reed, who, again, came up and stuffed to do to the line of scrimmage. I mean, it's so difficult when you have all of these chess pieces. By the way, again, shout out to Justin Reed. Justin Reed is not the best coverage safety in the NFL. But he makes up for that in so many different areas. One, his ability to be in, again, cover two, come up to the line of scrimmage by diagnosing a run play that quick and bring them down at the line of scrimmage. Hard hitting. 
He's 6'1", 207, but he plays like that 6'4", 220 safety Kyle Hamilton on the other side. Yeah, I agree. He, yeah, he feels like he plays like he's bigger than he is. And when you say 6'1", 207, I'm kind of surprised. I would have guessed 6'3", 215. <laughs> Uh, final audio clip is Andy Reid talking about forcing turnovers. Now, Andy Reid and this Chiefs team has not been known for forcing turnovers pretty much since the past couple seasons, especially cornerback-wise. Like, they force some fumbles, obviously. When it comes to interceptions, that's not what they do. Their game plan is, we will not give up the big play. That's what they focus on. And it's worked. Don't the the defense or the offense will beat the, will beat themselves. You be in the right spot and good things will happen. But in this particular game, they were plus three. They were negative on the season, but plus three against the Ravens, who were one of the best, if not the best, turnover margin team in the NFL. So here's Andy Reid talking about forcing well, turnovers. You know, it's, uh, you got to have a dance partner. So the, they've got to make sure that you know. That they that we're doing the right things uh, defensively and putting ourselves in the right positions to have an opportunity to make a turnover, and then the other side's got to give you that opportunity. So I, I would say though, Todd, that it was great to see. Um, we, we had a chance for another one too. Uh, Bolt's got that cast on <laughs> that that son of a guy. That's the fact that he's even playing is, is a great thing and making the tackles he's made. I don't know how he does it, but. Uh, you know, he, he had a chance for, for another one. So, but the, the guys are doing a great job. They're doing a great job with their eyes right now. And that'll be real important uh, in a couple of weeks here when we play four Dan Ayers. You got to have a dance partner. <laughs> He's so right about Bolton, though, by the way. I felt bad for him to an extent because you knew people were going to say, oh, how do you drop that? I'm sitting here going, dude's playing with a cast. That looks miserable to try and tackle with. To play football with, and then trying to catch a football, which again, there's a reason why you're not a tight end or a wide receiver. Yeah, you know, catching is not something he practices that, often. You're you know? not sitting there in the jugs machine, especially one handed, trying to bring in the rock. So uh, I'll, I'll give Bolton a little pass on that one. But again, forcing turnovers. We'll see if that continues against the Niners. Uh, again, Chiefs team that was not forcing a lot as the season went on. They were negative this year. Again, they forced some fumbles, but interceptions not necessarily part of what they did. But you're seeing interceptions and fumbles as the playoffs have gone on. Spags in his bag. It's kind of been a theme, huh? Talking about Spagnolo in this defense. Let's take a break. Come back. More home stretch at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Is it true, Kyle, that you want a uh, girl with a uh, what's it, a short skirt and a long jacket? Is that true, there you Kyle? Go. You nailed it. I know my cake. Go in the distance, and maybe one other song. I, I, I maybe know three cake songs. You got the two best ones, in my opinion. That's about all I got in me. All right, you want to go over some uh, snap counts with me before we bring on Todd Lebo. Todd Lebo will join us at 9 o'clock for the entirety of the 9 o'clock hour. Um, Some snap count numbers that I thought were interesting. So the Chiefs have found their wide receiver rotation, if you will. Rasheed Rice, 89% of snaps. And by the way, when I say 89%, they're not always created equally, right? Some when they played the Bills, they had what forty eight 
snaps, something, something absurdly low, right? There was 81 total snaps in this game, for, offensively, for the Chiefs. Rasheed Rice played 72 snaps. That is a lot. Now, I get people that play Madden, and they're like, oh, they can be out there all the time. 72 snaps for a wide receiver is a lot. I remember talking to, to Garrett Dieter about this. I go, what, what always made Tyreek Hill so impressive? He's like, not just how fast, how quick, how great he is, but his stamina. He, he was saying how hard it is to play in and play out, have that kind of energy, and to stay on the field the entire game. So for Rasheed Rice to be that effective in playing 72 snaps, it's absurd. Uh, but then again, MVS played 67. That's 83% of snaps. So you're looking at a clear-cut 1-2 wide, rece- uh, wide receiver. So during the season with all of the rotation at receiver, right? We kept talking about find it, find it. I don't care who it is, just find it. Throw him in there. Well, Chiefs found it. And they've been rewarded with the rotation. Uh, they did run still a decent amount of 12 personnel, but Travis Kelsey was on the field for 80% of snaps. Noah Gray, 58% of snaps. Justin Watson, the third most wide receiver with 44. Richie James with 21%, 17 snaps total. And then you get all the way down to Justin Ross with three. McCole Hardman with one. Uh, defensively, some interesting ones that stood out to me was Mike Dana, who played 76%. Uh, I want to take a look back at the All-22, because um, I want to see how many of those Mike Dana snaps came post-Charles Aminahu, right? Turk Wharton, too. Turk Wharton was the other guy who obviously got a big uptick. He played 64% of snaps. Uh, he played 64%. Uh, Mike Pinnell, 34%, and then Malik Herring came in, 14 snaps for a 24% snap share. Again, just trying to find some underlying numbers to see who takes the spot of Charles Aminahu next man up. We'll be having the next man up, which is Todd Lebo. No, you have I have missed you so much. It has been six months since we've done a show together. It's been a while. Six months, at least. It's been a while, buddy. You've been ducking me. You haven't even asked me to do anything. You sent me a text last night, late. I was asleep. Yeah. Sorry, I was, I was going to answer you when I woke up this morning, but I, I gave you some time. I was celebrating. What time to answer you back? Uh, it was like 5.54, maybe? No, it was later than that. Was it? I was impressed because I was up and I saw that I go, I'm not going to respond to him because he might still go back to bed. No, I was 550. in. 5.50. 5.50 today? Uh, 5.50. I was in doing the Border Patrol, and so I responded to you right before we started. Long day for you. Yeah, I'm here for you. But I, w- I had woken up about an hour before that. I was going to text you at like mm. whatever, 4.45. I just woke up. I did not need to be up that early. I was going to text no, you. you. Didn't. I was going to text you. No way. But then I said, sure, why not? What a nice guy you are. Yeah. I mean, it's a big deal. It's the damn Super Bowl coming up. It's the AFC Championship game. Yeah. It's all of it. Everything. Just like we all knew was going to happen about a month ago. We all knew Christmas game happened. We all knew that that was going to be the down part, and then the great stuff was going to fall. Right around the corner. We all knew that. that, that, 
I mean, how crazy is that? that a month ago, a little over a month, we're all sitting here going, this is the worst Chiefs team we have seen by far in the Mahomes era. This team, just just blow it up. We'll, we'll get back next year with the, with a better offense. And yet here we are. Defense has somehow gotten better, better, better. The offense has, they've clicked. Rasheed Rice has turned into and blossomed into a legit wide receiver Absolutely. one. I mean, I mean, Isaiah Pacheco is doing Pacheco-in. Pachekian? Pachekian. Pachekian things. Pachekian. Uh, and then Mahomes has, of course, played his best games of the entire season. It's just crazy how... I, I remember after the Bills game, they lost at home, the Kadarius Tony offsides. All the, and that wasn't the only reason they lost. They, they made some bad plays in that game. But they lost that game, right? And then we're all like, well, oh God, yeah, they're probably going to win their last four games. But what are you going to learn from winning their last four games? And they went up and beat the Patriots... And it was uneven. Kadarius sure. Tony had another issue, batted a ball up in the air, ended up being picked off. This shot of Mahomes on the sideline going, oh, my God, what is going on? That, But they won. It was fine. And uh, then, it, as, as you mentioned, the absolute turd on Christmas just ruined a lot of people's Christmases. And like, ugh. And they beat the Bengals. Mm. Pretty good. Yeah. Score some touchdowns, huh? Yeah. Hey, when did you guys score some touchdowns? And then it turned out they didn't have to beat the Chargers, but they did. You're like, what, what did we learn? What, what did we learn about this team? Once you make the postseason, I think you feel like, yeah, some good things can happen. But most people's hopes were probably pinned on, oh, it'll work out for the Chiefs. Like The Ravens will lose to the Texans. They'll end up getting a home game and you know, all this stuff. I mean, no, no, they had to go earn it. Had to go on the road to Buffalo. Had to go on the road to Baltimore. And they got the job done. And I'm telling you, anyone who is just regular Joe fan can look me in the eye and tell me at 3.30 on Christmas Day, they were feeling like, oh, yeah, get your Super Bowl stuff ready to go. <laughs> I don't believe them. I'm calling them a liar on Christmas. I don't think they thought that. But they look like a team that's not only going to the Super Bowl, they look like a team that can absolutely win the Super Bowl. And yeah. they just absolutely can. I mean, they, they've got a lot of good things going. they got some bad news today. Charles Hugh, who got hurt early in the game after making it a fantastic play. Mm. didn't turn out to be points for him, but it was a turnover. We only uh, strip-sacked um, Lamar Jackson. He ended up getting hurt later in the game, and it looks like a bad knee injury. He's out. That, that's rough. That's bad news. But they have been a next-man-up bunch all year long, and they have been more hurt this past two weeks than most times during the year. Yeah. You know, with the, with Tooney being out last week, Willie Gay's been hurt and out. He did not get to play in the game of the day. Now, Minihue's out. They've had some things happen to him, man, but they just keep... Nick Bolton missed a lot of games this year, too. Yeah. And they just keep battling. They're, they're a tough team. They're team no of safety. I don't know. Yeah. yeah uh, for, it, it was Brian Cook. Yeah. Then Mike Edwards. Mm-hmm. And then Shamari Connor. Yeah. And, and then got, Deion Bush. And then Edwards came back, and then he got hurt again, and Bush made the, the big pick. I think you could have picked that off. That was a poor pass, by the way. Yeah, I got good hands. Thank you. You do. But I, listen, man, it's wild. I, I was sitting there watching this game yesterday, and I'm like, all right, went straight down the field, three and out, then went straight down the field. I'm like, all right, Chiefs, they're going to go here. Yeah. They're going to go. They're going to do this. And still had that lead at halftime. Didn't get as much as they wanted to out of it. You know, after that, that Aminahue strip sack, they didn't even get three out of it because they went for the, the touchdown or the fourth down to try to go, go get a touchdown. They didn't get it. Whatever. They didn't do anything in the second half. Nothing. Not even 100 yards. Punted five times. Didn't matter. 17 was enough. Who knew that 17 was going to be enough against the vaunted <laughs> Baltimore Ravens? But it was enough. 
because they did what they what they haven't done all year, and that's forced turnovers. Do, do, do you think that part of the offensive inefficiencies in the second half for Kansas City was again? I don't want to say the game plan was to just literally not move the ball, but also it was a case of okay, the defense is playing great. What if we just don't make any mistakes? We don't even allow ourselves to turn the ball over and give the Ravens a chance. Because, again, look at Lamar. He looked flustered. He was making bad throws. They're going to beat themselves. We trust our defense. Again, we want to get first downs. We want to score. But also, most important for us right now is not letting the Ravens get any easy opportunities. So There's probably something there. But Coach Reed is not a, hey, this is enough guy. No, but he does take his foot off the pedal, I think, think a lot. Definitely understood the situation and didn't try to force anything and do anything dumb, yeah. for sure. You know, took a couple of sacks, protected the ball, mm-hmm. didn't just wing it around. And kept the clock moving, by the way. Kept too. the clock moving. All of those things. And uh, it just worked out for him. The Ravens did get flustered. I thought the Chiefs got under their skin, for sure. You know, with Travis the, Kelsey. Travis Kelsey totally got under the skin. There was a couple plays like that. They got the you know that same possession. They got the roughing the passer with the smack to the head, dumb play. They got the taunt later yeah. from Zay Flowers, big time amateur mistake, first year player. I knew he got a touchdown early in the game, but dude, you're losing to the champions, okay? And you make a play where, by the way, you probably should have scored. You get brought down, and you decide to just push Legarius Need and then spike th- the ball, spike the ball on him. And stand over him, and I'm just thinking here, going, well, one, if Legarius was actually mad, he'd, he'd kick your ass. Like, yeah. like, he's a much bigger dude. And then, and then, two, this just shows you've never been here. You don't understand the yeah. situation. Now, they ended up getting back and getting a first down right about where he was, and then he should have scored a touchdown, but he didn't because no one adjusted. I didn't think he was super loose and crazy with the ball. I thought it was a great play by Legarius Sneed. Yeah. Fantastic play. He wasn't out there reaching out with one hand, mm-hmm. he's making a two handed reach out. Just a freaking all-pro stud play by Snead. And then, to cap it off, the ball is laying on the ground, and the Chiefs actually fall on it. Twice in the game, by the way. You know, instead Carl- of... Carlotta's did it yeah, earlier. And he wasn't picking nothing up, man. He just <laughs> laid on it. Eating spags and uh, even Dave Tober's there. Mighty guys, coached up. guys, don't pick the ball. The ball is important. Just, just land on it. Just land, just on, land it. on it. I In the past, I've seen players... Like try to pick the ball up in the end zone like that. There's no no way you're scoring because no. everyone's between you. And, <laughs> At and best, you get to play. the five, <laughs> yeah, and then you're backed up. So smart there, smart by Karloftis as well. But they've had plenty of times this year, case in point, that that Buffalo game where the ball is on the ground mm-hmm. and they couldn't get it. The Buffalo game at home, when when Latavius Murray somehow caught the ball, even yeah. though he didn't catch it, and they called it a fumble. Mike Edwards is like you know squirts right out of his yeah. hand. They weren't getting. Any breaks in the turnover market before the games, and this game in particular, they got three of them right. They were plus one. Well, they ended up they ended up tied with Miami because Clyde fumbled Clyde the ball late. late, but inconsequential turnover. Mm-hmm. And they won a game of Buffalo minus one. You know, now it's not exactly a true minus one because it's kind of like a turnover when you go for fourth down on a fake punt in your own side of the field, but yeah. it's not officially a turnover. But I, I said all last week to anyone. I thought the Ravens were probably the better side, the better team. Sure. And if the Chiefs want to win this game, they best not be minus, and they plus would be better for them. And it turns out they were plus three and still only won the game by seven points. 
because they didn't move the ball in the second half. So they needed all that stuff. They absolutely needed it, but they did it. And it, they weren't gifts. These weren't like, you know, someone just drops back and fumbles the ball or something like that. Strip sack, a quick one, too. They don't get a lot of those. Mm. And, you know, I didn't see. They never really showed a good. I can't wait to see the all 22. I don't know who was. He was winding up to really wing that ball down the field. Oh, but, and Charles Aminahu. Yeah, yeah. And Aminahu and got it. That was a hard hit, by the way. Oh, yeah. Hit him there. And then, obviously, the punch by, by Sneed mm-hmm. was a monster. And being prepared and catching the ball when you're, you know, the guy throws a bad pass. You, you'd say easy interception, but nothing's easy. No. Right? You're a defensive back. You're back there. And, and especially it, Deion Bush, who doesn't get a lot of snaps it, and reps. It's why you're not a wide receiver the whole joke. Mm-hmm. You're a defensive back because you couldn't make it as a wide receiver, right? And you're, you're not, not even that, a starting you can't defensive catch. back. That's probably, you're probably not the best catcher of the ball in the defense. Could have been so more, by the way. Nick Bolton could have had yeah. one, but he has a cast on, and you see him trying to catch the ball, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's not unfortunate. Great. That's, not great. But th- they did that. And I think that is the the story of the game. Now, listen, Kelsey played out of his mind. Yeah. He was driven and ready to go. Patrick Mahomes played fine. Not not amazing. He was good. He was good. And the defense made the plays, and they, they didn't turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. And they got three turnovers. You Nobody's beating the Chiefs at plus three. The no. Chiefs are plus three. You're not, you're not losing that game. That's a good recipe for them. I recommend it in two weeks. I also think... Chris Jones, you will not look at the box score and be enamored by a guy who had uh, zero tackles. But then you look at what he actually did impact-wise in this oh, yeah. game, which is, again, it's why when people always would bring up the, well, how many sacks does he have in the playoffs? They go, that's not the best way of looking at what Chris Jones does. Mm-hmm. He ruined multiple drives by himself. Yeah, he, he At one, he just pushed a, the, the left guard was Simpson. just directly right, into Lamar yeah. and then decided on the next play, yeah, I was about the ball down. I mean, he was making play after play. Again, if you watch the game, you notice the impact he makes. If you look at the box score, you will not. But I thought Chris Jones had himself a great game. The entire defensive line, they rushed almost like an, uh, an amoeba, mm-hmm. right? Where it was like, okay, one guy don't get ahead of everyone else. Because you saw that against the Bills with Josh Allen. One guy would come, and what happens? Well, Josh would fill that spot, the vacated area, and then he would run for first down. Against Lamar, you see the same thing. So what did the Chiefs' defensive line do? They all kind of collapsed all, all around him. So Lamar's looking around, where do I go? Where do I go? Yeah, they had him on skates. He, didn't, he was a little confused. But listen, the Spags does that to the best of them. Lamar had a great year. And I said this about Josh Allen. Josh Allen's a great quarterback, man. He's been fantastic. He's been really good in the playoffs. None of this playoff Josh. Josh Allen's numbers in the playoffs are good. He had one bad game against the Bengals, but he's played good football in the other games. He's just not Patrick Mahomes. There's Mm. absolutely no shame in that. But when you look it up and you're like, oh, he's 0-3 against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, well... Get in line, man. <laughs> Clyde Drexler was a really good basketball player too. He's so. just not Michael Jordan. Yep, he's just not him. I mean, that's just that's just tough stuff, man. Well, what we talked about for a while was the Chiefs had the situation a little different, but the Chiefs had Trent Green, mm-hmm. really good player, sure. But that's not Peyton Manning. No, the Chiefs had Alex Smith, great player. It's not Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, or just those yeah. guys. Like. Sometimes you fill can, in the blank. You You're can play not John great games. You can play you know great I mean? games. Yeah. And kind of the same with the Eagles. You know, they had Donovan McNabb. That wasn't the best of the best. Now, they won one with Nick Foles because you can win on those runs with Trent Dilfer. Hey, but man, you get, you the get majority there, you of the, the time. Yeah. It's going to be 
who has the guy? Who has the, 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 the best player on the field? And the Chiefs have that. Again, that's why they're going to four Super Bowls great in coach, five years. Great coach, the best quarterback, one of the best tight ends in the world historically, and absolutely playing like he's 27 right now. Yeah. There are a lot of times this year he didn't look like. He looked all the 33, 34. And, boy, he I don't know what – what he took before the game, but he was ready. The Frank Thomas thing. You think he took the Frank Thomas? Uh... Yeah, possibly. <laughs> well, it, you know what? He, he talked frankly with us about it for a couple of weeks. He didn't play that last week. The rest was real good for him, mm. real good. He didn't play the final week of the year, and then now they played three weeks in a row. You know who's going to love this rest this week? Travis Kelsey's old body mm. going to love this rest this week. He's going to love – to get out there, and although it's not going to be super warm, it doesn't look like right now, but it's not going to be minus 7 degrees or anything. Love to get out there, you know, loosen up the joints a little bit and the warmer temperatures, all that stuff. This is good stuff for Travis Kelsey. Older bodies need time to heal and get back going, so it's good news for him. But I couldn't believe how locked in and fired up he was for the game. I was like, seriously, check the... Not the clock. Check the calendar. What year is this? I was laughing, too, because Ravens uh, kicker Justin Tucker was downplaying the exchange after the game. He was trying to say, oh, we're talking about something that was a pregame thing. You know, uh, seemed to be taken a little more seriously. I'm totally willing to let it all go, which, by the way, of course, he's totally willing to let it all go as the team lost. And the guys he uh, riled up were Mahomes and uh, Travis Kelsey. But we saw what happened before the game. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that that was all of a sudden the difference between Travis Kelsey going for 90 and 115. But you don't poke the bear. You don't give any guys extra reason to get some motivation here. Again, well, here's my understanding of what happened. We've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter about who did what, whatever. Other kickers weighing in, oh, you can't, you can't do that, blah, 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 the more blah, blah. Every kicker I've seen outside of Lawrence Tynes, which is interesting because he was yeah. also a former chief kicker, yes. has basically said, yeah, kickers don't do that. Yeah. So my understanding is he's doing this. They come out. And they're like, hey, can you move? And he's like, sure. And he like went, moved the, moved the tee, like seriously, like two inches. Yeah. And then that's when Travis is like, F this, put, rolled the helmet, let's yeah. go. So, you know, that started this stuff before the game. And what's right, what's wrong, who knows? That'll be a small little chapter in some sort of a mic'd up thing somewhere. It's yeah. not the most important thing in the game. But it did show the mindset of the Chiefs. Like, I don't care if this is your house. This is the way this works. We're going to come do what we do. Patrick is a big-time creature of habit before the games. Mm-hmm. I watch him at Arrowhead. He comes out. He sits down in the exact same spot on the bench. He stands in the same yard line for the anthem. He does the same thing. He does the same little route tree throws, whether it's minus 4 degrees or it's 95 degrees. That's what he does. It works for him. And so he got down there, and this <laughs> stuff was sitting there, and that's not the way it's been. Well, it's also like... Let's be real now. Justin Tucker is not kicking from the goal line. You're yeah. not kicking a nine-yard field goal. What's the point? What's the point? Surprisingly, nine-yard field goals don't actually happen they in the happen. NFL. No. So it, it was a gamesmanship move, and it did not work out for him. Before I talk more positives with you, one thing that I thought was a little interesting, it's been going on in the playoffs. Creed Humphrey and his snaps. A lot of low snaps. Luckily, obviously, Mahomes played baseball, looking like a gold glover back there, scooping the ball. Little short hops, but is this concerning for you? The 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 snaps from Creed. Yeah, it's absolutely concerning. I asked him about it three weeks ago. He kind of looked at me like, "What are you talking about?" And then 
couple more of them happened. Yeah. And uh, so it's your fault. Got, you got no, you no, got no. you got in his head. He got asked about it again last week. Seren asked him last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's something there. But Patrick has done a great job of catching the ball, yeah. whether it's bounced or not bounced. The stakes get higher every week. You go another game. A bad roller snap on a third and six in the Super Bowl where you you don't pick it up and make the throw could be devastating. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's something you take for granted. In football, you really do, but you shouldn't. You shouldn't take it for granted. It, you know, it's part of the game. You also take for granted that someone's not going to jump offside. Someone's not going to line, line up, up offside. Line up offside. How about the, the Ravens the come out? Uh, Twelve dudes on the field. Yeah. On the first play of a possession, you don't get that. You know, there are a lot of things we just take for granted. You, this isn't going to get messed up, right? Well, that's going to be something to watch. He's not on purpose, not snapping the ball great. No question sure. about that. But he's got to work on it. He's got to concentrate on it a little bit more because that's one thing you want to take out of the equation. It's hard enough to play against a defense like the Niners on schedule. You don't want to be off schedule during the middle of a play or have a play go bad and put yourself off schedule in a drive. Yeah. As far as the offensive line goes as a whole, I thought they did a very nice job early on in that game. Uh, Juwan Taylor specifically just completely wiped out a guy. Uh, he tried to get him on the inside, and Juwan just goes, Okay, I will continuously mm-hmm. push you all the way over here to the sideline as Mahomes actually was able to get a long run. Uh, what did he run for in that exact play? 11 yards, I believe, on that play. Um, that was all Jawan Taylor. I think Nick Allegretti, for the most part, did a great job you're filling fine. in for, yeah. for, for Joe Tooney. I mean, Satisfactory. again, it's not Joe Tooney. Yeah, you're not asking you're, him to be Joe Tooney. But but for the most part, he gave Mahomes the time that was needed to make plays and let plays develop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trey Smith. Looking back at it and getting a lot more insight from former one bad actual... play and one bad call. Yes, that's basically what it came down back to. Back to back, because uh, that what... they dialed up a freaking home run of a play. Yes, they did, and they executed the hell out of it. Yeah, and they got a poor call by by the looks of every offensive lineman yeah. that you saw on, on the line. And again, not offensive lineman. I could see how in the moment it, it was called for it a looked flag. Bad. It, it looked, looked bad. it looked bad, yeah. but again. Surprisingly, you and I not getting paid to be referees in that moment. You don't you don't throw a flag for what looks bad. Maybe we you should. throw a flag for what is bad. Maybe we should. Um, but Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor again, I think, did a pretty nice job mm-hmm. overall. I've been very impressed with the offensive line come playoff time. Mahomes had not been sacked in the previous two playoff games. Was sacked twice in this one, but only for a loss of eleven yards. I, I've been impressed, man. Yeah, they they've done a nice job. They've they've absolutely done a nice job. Not perfect. No. But good enough. The Chiefs don't have to be perfect. They're not the offense in 2018 or 19 or 20, okay? We know that. But they don't have to be perfect. They need to be better than, like, the worst offensive line in the world, which is what they ran out in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. against the Bucks because they were down to nobody. Um, that was bad. They got to be better than that. They don't have to be, you know, Willie Rofe. Will Shields, Casey Wigman, Brian Waters, and John Tate across the front either. They got to be something in the middle. And this, this team is good enough. A lot of people have been worried about Juwan Taylor and his contract because he had some penalties early in the year. It's been okay, it's yeah. been fine. If you go back and look, his penalties mostly were early in the year. Donovan Smith was hurt for a while. Wanya Morris came in, and timing worked out well. Wanya Morris, 
I think was probably a little overmatched for this time of year. Sure, Donovan Smith's more of a pro. That was kind of best case scenario though, because he, he, he got he got his beak wet. He, you know, got, he, got, he, he, he got, got to wet the beak, have a little experience, <laughs> and then we get down to these games. All right, all right. Donovan's in here now, and now you know for well, next year what, what he brings. He'll, he'll be out of the concussion protocol. He'll be available, be ready to go. So mm-hmm. you know, it's it's been good. This has been, I mean, listen, it's been a great run to the to the Super Bowl because they're in the Super Bowl. It hasn't been super hard, right? It was an all-day game for sure in Buffalo, and it took to the end against the Ravens. It had they've been just blowing everyone out, but I it w- hasn't been like they've had to do something extraordinary to win any of these games. I, I would kind of disagree with that because we know the results now. But I think going into the game, oh, absolutely, it was going to be th- hard. This yes. is this is going to go down as the, the toughest, hardest run, the, sure. the hardest run. Yeah. You look at all these analytical numbers. And you're I'm just talking here. about the games themselves. It's yeah. like they haven't had to pull out some 13 second thing. No, correct. Because I think the the coolest part about these two wins on the road against two great teams. You got you got the numbers, the DVOAs, yeah. and all this stuff. I mean, they've gone up there and won these games. They've gone out there and won these games, and they have had the ball at the end with the lead. Yep, and they have killed the clock. They victory formation. Nobody loves victory formation more than a coach, and they've gotten to do that twice at these two places. It's pretty good. What's interesting too is they're they're no longer a finesse team. You can't label us a finesse team anymore, mm. which is so wild to me that Andy Reid, the I Chiefs, Pacheco, Brett Veach, right up the gut for a touchdown. But man. but think of this. Yeah, they, they've gone to the Super Bowl the, how many times? Four times in five years. Lots of ways. But they've been different. Yep. And if you are an NFL owner, GM, team, I'm not going to say player because players they, they don't get scared of other players. They, they don't have that sort of. Um, mentality, right? But you have to be worried if you're a GM or an owner or a head coach and say, they're a chameleon. They've done it every single way now. Don't expect us to, to be... So, like, if you're the Bills, if Sean McDermott is still there, or if they get a new head coach in, you can't be like, guys, sorry, I'm not going to lie to you. Don't expect us to all of a sudden beat... The, they've proven time and time again, if you're, if, if you're hardball right now in the red, you're like... Sorry, this was the best team we've had. Mm-hmm. We had the MVP quarterback. He had a great year. So, sorry. Great defense. Great defense. Historically great. Yeah. Sorry. Um, now, they can do it. They can look back and say, listen, if we just don't play like garbage and turn the ball over three times, they got a chance in the game. You know, the Bills didn't do that. The Bills no. didn't, didn't play. Bills played some really good football. They didn't go. The Chiefs are the ones who turned the ball over through the end zone. Yeah. Right? They they were the ones making those bad plays. The Bills didn't make those bad plays. They just didn't win. And if you're Miami, you say, "Well, we can never have a road playoff game ever again." Yeah, because, we need to, uh, need to need to win your game. You know what? And they had their chance to win did. the game, and they didn't do it. They choked. They choked. They did not get the win. And then, all right, well, get your parkas out, boys, and order <laughs> them up. They're in the back. Go dust them off. We got to pull these things out. We're going up here to play a game. I was very impressed that this worked yet again with the big three. Because I said against Miami and against um, the Bills, who don't have a great defense or they were slightly injured, that's fine. You can focus on Travis Kelsey, Rasheed Rice, and Isaiah Pacheco. But I go, when you play a team like the Niners or play a team like the Ravens, who are so deep at all three levels, who have so many pieces in the secondary, you're going to have to get someone else involved. Now, obviously, they got MVS involved for 2 for 38 and Justin Watson 1 for 16. But, for again, for the most part, it was 20 targets on 36 attempts because he had three throwaways. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's crazy, right? The, the, the whole game plan, and if you want to count in the four targets for Isaiah Pacheco. Seems like 75 years ago that they were they were going to keep eight wide receivers on this team and they were all going to get the ball somehow. Nah. 
I'm just nah. impressed by how this actually worked against an opponent where everyone's sitting here going, you can't do it against them. And myself included, you can't, you got you got to get someone else involved. Someone else has to make a play. Well, when you're throwing the ball to Travis Kelsey, who just caught them all, man. 11 was, for 11. Is that the, the Pokemon? Catch them all? Is that what they say? <laughs> shout, Bri- shout back, back to Briscoe, Briscoe. and Rudy. Yeah. Catch them all. He was catching everything. Yeah. They were tough catches. Some of them were pretty easy. But the, the insane one where Patrick just kind of flips it up and he like lays out. That's what Andy Reid said on the Zoom today. He said, I've seen him do a lot of things. I've never seen him lay out like that one. Big play, third down, right? Yeah. The fourth down play, that was not Patrick's first read. He threw a freaking dart, snatched it right out of the air. Travis Kelsey's dropped the ball this year. He didn't drop the ball on Sunday, did he? No. Rasheed Rice has dropped the ball this year. He didn't drop the ball on Sunday. They're they're getting they're playing. You know they always say this things. We got to clean that up. We got to clean up the penalties. We got to clean up, up the drops. <laughs> I don't know how you do it other than just say we're going to do it, and you just go take extra passes off the jugs, work after practice, do those things. They're not doing those dumb things now. They had some penalties, but Jawan Taylor wins the last time he was lined up too far back. Sure. You know, wins the last time. You've seen multiple drops in a game by these guys who were who were their best players. It's been a while. When's when's the last time you saw Patrick Mahomes throw a horrible pass like he threw on Christmas Day? He threw that was a terrible pass. He's thrown some bad interceptions this year. Oh yeah, that was horrible. He threw some just you know toss ups, pop flies against the Jets for interceptions in a game that they had in control and it went down the wire. He's done some out of character things this year, but you know what? He's focused right now. You're not seeing those crappy passes. And they and you know what? Carries Tony's not playing. So when's yeah. the last time a ball bounced off a receiver's hands and turned into a, an interception? Sure. Since he played. Yeah. Before that, Tyreek Hill. Well, or Carries <laughs> Tony. Or Carries Tony because he did it twice this yeah. year. Um, we batted the ball up in the air. Also, MVS, man, you, you got to give credit where credit's Absolutely. due. Absolutely. And I knew in that moment. That the ball was getting thrown and they I were not they running. Were throwing it to eighty-seven, though. Well, I did too. But but when when I saw the the situation where they call timeout, there's out of timeouts, two minutes and nineteen seconds left. I go, all right. So even if you run the ball, you're not. You, they're still saving twenty-one seconds. It's actually a pretty smart play by the Ravens and and Harbaugh right there. I go, okay. Now I see also why you do it early. You can save a little bit of time here and there. It's nineteen seconds instead of forty. I get that. It made some sense to me. Mm-hmm. But then I, when I saw it, I go, well, now they're probably going to throw because. You, why would you waste 19 instead of 40? You might as well try and pick up the first down instead of just run it and get the 19. Yeah, because you're going to – listen, if they if they drop the ball, they were going to punt with 210 to go. That's going to probably take the whole play up. Now, maybe the, maybe the Ravens get one play before the two in the morning, but no timeouts the whole nine yards. Now, that being said, catching the ball took all of that away. You didn't have to worry about anything. There's no miracles. At that point. When he, that ball was in the air, and I see MVS tracking that thing like Nori Aoki out there. He was right on it, baby. Don't call him Nori Aoki. He was right on it, but as far as just the backpedaling, you, you yeah. get a little nervous. It wasn't the Jim Edmonds over the shoulder. No, well, Patrick didn't. Patrick didn't kick the ball. Yeah, yeah. He threw a safe throw. But but when MVS was, I, I didn't, the ball wasn't in you his hands believe. yet. I, I did believe. That's what I was going to say was, okay. I believe, because I go, this is the redemption story. Hey, dude, I can't quit this guy. He's always in my my single game parlays for like over fourteen and a half or whatever it is. I, he, he got this one. He uh, absolutely, and he the catches he made against Buffalo were high level hard catches. So he had two catches there for sixty yards or whatever. He had two catches yesterday. He's playing some good football at the end. Playoff MVS is a real thing. Yeah. So 
listen, they're doing a lot of things right, and they're going to have their hands full. The Niners are good. Okay. Yeah. But who has Patrick Mahomes lost to in the playoffs? He lost three the Bengals. Games. Three teams. Who? What quarterbacks he lost to? Uh, well, he lost to Joe Burrow. Uh huh. Tom Brady with the Bucks, and Tom Brady with the Patriots. All right. So remember on Sesame Street, which one of these things does not belong? I'm not. Yeah. I'm not giving this a bunch of Brock Purdy slander. He is winning me over. Sure. But he's not those dudes. No, he is not. So. If you're telling me that Patrick Mahomes is going to lose the Super Bowl to, to Brock Purdy, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. Yeah, if you go through Tua Tagovailoa, you go through Josh Allen on the road and Lamar Jackson MVP on the road to lose to Brock, to Purdy? Lose to Brock Purdy, I would I would be uh, seems a little far fetched. Now listen, maybe that's the same way Kurt Warner felt when he was facing Tom Brady, sure. who'd never done anything. You're like, sure. this dude got picked 199. Yeah, they but don't Kurt do anything. Warner put up. <laughs> It's the eye test is what it comes down to for me. Like, well, Kurt Warner didn't look like – or Tom Brady didn't look like much in 2001. Sure. Okay. Brock Purdy's making more plays than he ever sure. thought about making. But just in general, yeah, that was probably the feeling back in 2001. He's like, we're not losing to this dude. Yeah. He's not even supposed to be playing. The big the big Drew Bledsoe got hurt, and this guy's just out there handing the ball off. It's going to be great. But I'm going to be – Shocked if he gets outdueled by Brock Purdy. Listen, yeah. if something happens, there's some of these things rear their ugly head. Yeah. They get seven penalties. Oh, sure. They turn the ball over three times, something like that. You can lose to anybody. I, I'm going to laugh very hard. You can lose to Aiden O'Connell. When? At home. When? On damn Christmas. Brock Purdy has the exact same throw that Jimmy G has in the exact same situation happens. And they're like, oh, should we have kept Trey Lance? No, oh, no. <laughs> I kind, of, I kind of forgot Trey Lance was a human being. I looked him back up and I, oh yeah, I forgot he's a cowboy. Yeah, that uh, well, well, you know, quarterback controversy down there in Dallas. Maybe they need Trey people Lance. will soon, Todd. You won't be the only one who forgets about Trey. Yeah, Lance. I will never. Forget you know what though? He about got Trey he Lance. got picked third overall. He's got some money in his pocket. He got so much more money right now than Brock Purdy does. It's not even funny. Better he, save it. He should let me yes, hold. Save it. He, he should let me hold five since I was a hey, Brock. The best Purdy. way to save that money is get out of hey, California, move to Texas. Well, ain't true. That's why he did it. Yeah. He goes, please trade me and trade me to Texas. So we feel bad for Brock Purdy only making seven hundred grand. I kind of do feel bad for Brock Purdy. He's making seven hundred grand in the Bay Area. You yeah. know how much less money that oh, is yeah. than he could be lived here in, if he was in I mean, he's from Arizona. Sure. But I mean if he was in Iowa or Missouri or yeah. Kansas or oh, something that'd like be, that. Those taxes. They're yeah. gonna get you. Yeah. That, uh, how, uh, pricing? I'll bet he doesn't have the biggest, fanciest house in California. I think he's a smart kid. Yeah. I'll bet he's in a nice little apartment. Probably going to cost four grand a month. Mm. A little 800 Only feet. four grand? That's about what it costs yeah, yeah. out there. Uh, let's take a break. Come back. More Chiefs talk with Lebo after this. I just don't get why Justin Tucker would give fuel to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, just the battery of... Travis Kelsey and Mahomes, those two guys, you know, pretty impressive. Texas guy, Longhorn. Yeah. It's expected. Yeah. I mean, inter-Sandman, that is Mahomes. Like, it's mm-hmm. sorry it's sad but true, but you knew that they were going to come away with a victory. Here. Why would you do it? Uh, Want to ride the lightning he, with Patrick Mahomes? I mean, Mahomes is the one. He's kind of creeping death. I guess the Ravens season, you could say, is uh, fade to black. Yeah. It's time to hit the lights for the Super Bowl. Oh, there we go. Lamar Jackson. Who are the four horsemen? Patrick, Leper, Leper Messiah. Chris Jones, <laughs> uh, Andy Reid, 
And Travis Kelsey, those are the four horsemen? I think he said the four horsemen right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Not bad. That was pretty good. Just give me fuel. I said that's what, that's what I opened with. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, seek and destroy. Seek and destroy. Did the, the, the chief run a mission? It's a blitzkrieg. Mm. Bop. Okay, Ramones. Yeah, different. Yeah, I know, but I was. Yeah. Is this over? Is I want to be going? sedated. <laughs> want to go that way now? Got <laughs> Ramones time now. Got to rock, rock, rock and roll high school. Yeah, you know, uh, Sheila is a punk rocker. I don't know. I don't have a ton of Ramones. I saw the Ramones play live. Oklahoma Memorial Union when I was in college mm. in the ballroom. Flat floor. Was it a blitz? Uh, it was. It was like it was like a blitz. I wish I had a ticket stuff for that. I couldn't have cost five bucks to go to this concert. Craziest girl fight ever seen in my life. Mm. These girls were mad at each other, and they were really hitting each other at this wow. show. It was wild. But I've seen the Ramones. There you go. At the student union playing a concert. Wow, that's pretty cool. I have not seen the Ramones because I am 29 years old. Oh, because you're young. Um, I didn't. Well, I mean, you're I, you're only 29. You've you've only seen five Super Bowls with the Chiefs now. Hey, I'm going to be 54 this week, and you know what? I've only seen five Super Bowls <laughs> with the Chiefs right now. It's interesting. I love all these people who have kids who are like five years and younger, and it's just this is what they do. This is what they've grown up mm-hmm. with. I mean, imagine you being in high school right now. Like, when I was in high school, I grew up with heartache. We, oh, yeah. Y- you know, it was heartache. Now all these kids, they're growing up and they're witnessing a dynasty. And I'm saying dynasty because I think now you can call it one. I don't know if the third Super Bowl win makes that much of a difference. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe. But when you've been to... Oh, three is a big deal. It's a big deal. But, but four and five deal. years, you've That's six big, straight AFC championships. Hey, listen, the, the freaking Bills went to four in a row. I know. You gotta, the Chiefs have won two. It's you, a little different. I know, here. but you got you to gotta win this one to make it really count. you got to be three and one. You, you go to... if They've already done the hard work. Six straight AFC Championship games and now winning four of them, that's that's good. That's a good yeah, number. Good ratio. That's a good ratio. But if you go to four Super Bowls and you only win one of them, you're like, that's not great. You don't want to be that way. It just blew my mind. I'm looking at these game notes or whatever. Now the, the Chiefs, um, this will be their sixth overall Super Bowl. That gets them really up the list. Yeah. And, you know, it was, like I've told this story before, but they won the Super Bowl on February 2nd. Of 20. That was, I turned 50 the day before that Super Bowl. So I was in Miami covering the game and I turned 50 years old. Very cool. They won the Super Bowl three weeks before I was born. So, because the Super Bowl used to happen way earlier. It used to happen in. Should have been premature. If you'd have been premature, you'd have at least witnessed one. It happened on July 11th, 1970. Hmm. And now the Super Bowl is going to be on the 11th. It's a whole month later now. But, like, so my wife was alive. She, her birthday's at seven. She's four days old. So she knows all the Oh, yeah. Stuff, so she knows all the... I wasn't alive. Historian. And so it was like 50 years of my life, nothing. Really not getting close to the Super Bowl. One AFC championship game, and then the second one in 18. It was like a lot of nothing. You go to the pro football reference page, and you look at this monstrous stretch from the longest game in, in football history to 1986. Yep. You're like, 15 years? That's the first 15 years of my life, basically. Sure. Nothing at all. And now there are these punk kids who are 15 years old who they're not babies when the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl, right? They 
were like 10 years old and what a joyous time. And now they're like the most spoiled 15 year olds you ever saw in your life. Oh, this is just how it goes, you know. But listen, it's crazy. And I, I say this a bunch as well. Do not take it all for granted. Sure. Patrick Mahomes is a star, but, you know, what if you get hurt, something happens, oh, say, sure. all this stuff. Or maybe the ball didn't bounce your way. Something happens like that, and all of a sudden you, you're not in the playoffs or, or you don't rally, whatever. You know, I mean, Tom Brady, they went to the playoffs every year, but one was that Matt Castle took over. In the season, no. Well, one year they played. He, his second year, they didn't go to the playoffs, okay. and then they missed it when he was hurt. Yeah. Even though they won eleven games, yeah. that would not happen today. They they would all get in. Which, by the way, Matt games. Castle, I had a jersey of Castle, and that was kind of the glory days for me growing oh, up. Oh, good times. Those that, were your, that, that, that was those post, were ages, post yeah. thirteen three Trent Green, and then it was a kind of a little bit of a okay, yeah. come on now, and then it was Matt Castle. But <laughs> you know, it probably got stale and boring. In New England every once in a while. But you know what you should do? You should appreciate every time you get to go out to a game and watch a regular season game of Patrick Mahomes playing. You know what I mean? Whether it's a game that matters or watching on TV, because they all count. There's not that many of them. Yeah. Don't just poo-poo the regular season and get excited for the postseason, because the regular season games are fun too, man. I mean, it's like you just have to enjoy this time and know it's not going to last forever. Um but it's awful fun while it's happening, and fans are super spoiled right now. Like, Think about this part, too. The Royals actually did go to the World Series and stuff. So if you're like a 15- or 18-year-old person, you kind of remember that, too. Yeah. You know, and when I was a kid, the Royals were very good. Oh, till, not, not till for I was me. 15. <laughs> when I was 15 years old, they won the World Series, right? So they'd been in the playoffs basically every year that yeah. I remember almost. I mean, they were. I was six years old. They're in the playoffs. They're losing the Yankees and all this stuff. They go to the World Series when I'm 10. They go win the World Series when I'm 15, all that. And, I mean, you want to talk about that 29-year stretch? Yeah, I'm 29. Yeah. Yeah, we, we can talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I went out there and covered the crappy teams all that time. You know what I mean? So it's wild. So if you're like an 18-year-old kid now, say, oh, you're a senior in high school. Oh, well, I'm going to go to KU. Well, you know what? They've won a national title, too. And then well, I'm uh, a Mizzou alum to keep me grounded. That's right. That, that, keeps, the, you down. that keeps me grounded and humble. And the, and the freaking Royals have been to two World Series, and the Chiefs have been to four Super Bowls now. It's like this is Boston or something. It's crazy. I, I like this comment here from Ryan. Uh, it says, my son is seven, and we've been to AFC championships six years then he asked me how many in my 46 years, and same, I say same. the same. Same. Yeah. It's, we're same. Yeah, it's the exact same. We're Seven same. and 46, it is the exact. That's a really. Um, that's stark right yeah, there. Yeah, it's crazy. That is wild. Um, when it comes to Kadarius Tony, Andy, we talked about this a little bit. Sort of. Um, sort of. You know, I don't know what to make of that IG live well, here's what I make of it. Because I, I make of it that a Kadarius Tony doesn't understand. Oh, it's absolutely real. Okay. I under, I don't think he understands that people can record that. It didn't just go off into the ether. Yeah, I'm. This is the same guy who was voice note recording and sending direct messages to people on Twitter in the off season. Giants fans who are bothering him. Yeah, he's an immature person who doesn't. Uh, he can't put his phone down, and it feels like he must respond to everybody. And then saying that, but that is, there's no question that that's him. Then and he if he says it's say, not, I'm not hurt. I don't that. think he's hurt. I don't think he's been really hurt. I mean, maybe he was hurt at one point to go on the the injury list, but I don't remember him being hurt. And they said his hip was hurt after the Patriots game. He hasn't played since then. Mm. As I said, he didn't get hurt on that play that I saw. I didn't see him take a shot later. You can get hurt anywhere. 
We saw Salvador Perez hurt his knee walking upstairs with sure. a suitcase. We saw Travis Kelsey in the final um, practice before the title game last year get hurt. We saw him get – you know, things happen. Yeah. But I don't. I think they're not playing Kadarius Tony because he's not good. And Patrick Mahomes doesn't trust him. That's what I think. And, and I think they were doing him a favor. They were trying him a favor, and Kadarius Tony doesn't understand. I don't think he gets it. I, I, I would be shocked if he's with a team from now to the Super Bowl. Shocked. Well, Andy said today, he'll be out there. Yeah, yeah, sure. Out there for someone else to pick up. Yeah. Because I, I, I don't see Kadarius Tony ever playing another snap. In remember the, remember the stretch run when the Chiefs won that first Super Bowl and, uh, like, Sean McCoy just wasn't playing. You're like, what's it, load management or whatever? Yeah. No, he's, he wasn't good enough to play. Correct. So this is this is an ugly deal, but it's like I said, it's not the first one he's had. He had the other one, and it was sometime during the off season, and it just didn't really get discussed. Yeah. Because of the time for you know speaking to people and all that kind of stuff, and, and they just like it's a bad look. Well, the Chiefs it's don't have time for it. They're, they're 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 trying to win Super Bowls. They don't care about wide receiver five who's getting six snaps a game at best. Sorry, it's not worth the headache. The juice ain't worth the squeeze. No, not at all. So. Do you think, you, just before we move on, do you think he plays another snap in the NFL? Because part of me thinks that now two teams, two that's teams. A, that's enough. That's enough. Yeah. Uh, I am interested to see, because there are rules, Yeah. that you go to opening night at the Super Bowl, everybody is available. That's the rule. You remember the old Marshawn Lynch's, I'm only here so I don't get fined? Kadarius Tony, if he's on this team, is going to have to be standing out there. Yeah. <sighs> The, do they want, do yeah. they want him near a microphone? No, I, I think the answer is no. Wouldn't imagine so. Right, so, Todd, can you explain to me, like I'm five, how the Chiefs can have the mindset of we're gonna not draft George Pickens because he's kind of a bit of an off the field issue, but we'll send you a third and a fifth here for Kadarius Tony to give him a chance. Is yeah, that, um, am I? Barking up the right tree, wrong tree. I mean, that's, that's a hindsight for sure. That makes a lot of sense. Now, you know, I don't know everything that the the rumors were about Pickens, uncoachable, whatever. I don't know. You know, when he was at Georgia, Tony, there was at least a little bit of a professional track record, new change of scenery, wildly talented. You know, worth a shot, I guess. But yes, I agree with you. That how does one work and the other one doesn't? And the Pickens thing is a little bit of a mess in Pittsburgh, too. He's had some nice moments, but he's yep. done some dumb things. I agree. I, I'm sitting back here going, you know what? I don't care. Rasheed Rice is here. Yeah. Rasheed Rice is here, and the Chiefs are finding waves with two targets to MVS, one to Justin Watson, one to Richie James, technically two because he drew a nice pass interference as well. They're saying, all right, fine. And Richie James, it seems to be now, has been instructed to go back there and just catch the ball. I don't think he's going to run one out of the end zone anymore. I don't think. I know Dave Tobe is aggressive, <laughs> but I don't think he's running one out of the end zone, and there's been no issues with catching punts or anything right don't now. Don't you trust him? Like, I, I trust Richie J- James I still, so much I back I think there. I trust Justin Watson more just to catch the ball and not do anything. I don't think I do. The way Richie James catches it makes me think that he has full confidence that no matter what, this it's getting brought in. Yeah. I just don't I, – I never in my life have I seen anyone catch the ball at the goal line to take a step into the end zone and run it out. Yeah. Know? He got punt. back to the 10, though. Yeah, or that's eight or, like, it was, So he, he lost yards. No, okay. 
Compared to the touchback, yes. Yes, well, but, that's but, what but, you but, can, that's but, the only No, 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 agreed, agreed. But I'm saying, how often do we see guys, like, fair catch at the five, or, or take the ball into the five, and you're like, So oh, you're saying it was, a, it was a three-yard play? No. Was good. No, no, no. It was dumb. It was stupid. Dave, to, Dave Tobin, you like think alike. Yeah, I mean, well. Yeah. The only difference, I don't have any rings. No. But I, I'm confident that he'll catch the ball. Yes. And I'm confident that he's at least got a little bit of feel for it now. Like, dude, don't. Yeah. Don't bring that one out. Yeah. See a break. Come back. Finish up here with Todd Lebo. Oh, welcome back to the home stretch. Finish it up right here with Todd Lebo. Got any life lessons for us? Anything that we should uh, should learn in life? Don't bet against the Chiefs. It's a good one in the playoffs. It's a great Doesn't one. Matter if it's the road or not. Oh, can we use that now? As you know, they used Mahomes has never won a playoff game on the road. Well, now he's two and zero. Never lost one. Never lost a playoff game on the road. Can we start using that now? Or has he lost a game in Allegiant yet? I don't believe so. No, that, that's that's Arrowhead West. It's Arrowhead West. So or is or is Denver Arrowhead West? They ever lost the Forty ers in the Super Bowl? I mean, no, no. He's beaten them too. There's your life lesson. How, how many Niners do you think are still on that team? There's a few. It's funny. I was looking at the uh, the box score from the game. They played just last year. Yeah, yeah. Right? And that was Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, yeah. Okay. And McCole Hardman had his, like, best day probably as a chief. And he's still on the team, mm-hmm. sort of. Juju Smith-Schuster had a big catch in that oh, game. Oh, yeah, he did. Um, but they had Christian McCaffrey's first game was that game. Yep. Barely played a few plays. Now, they've obviously really turned him into something. Now, he had a little bit of a bell ringing in the game at the end of the game. Yeah, when he, he landed on his dome. I mean, that yeah. did not look good. He, he even asked for one, and you know it was bad when he already had two touchdowns on the ground, and, he, like, and he was like on the one-yard line, and he goes, yeah, I need to play. I need to get out of here. Most but, running backs like, I'll stay and get that one yard. So um, it, it's, it's wild. So the number of players on that team from four years ago and the number of is, is not going to be much. The Chiefs don't have a lot of guys. Oh, yeah, team. sure. They, they just don't. I mean, obviously, Patrick, Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, James Winchester, you know, Harrison mm. Butker, some of those, but not all. Nick of Allegretti, them. five Nick, years. Nick Allegretti, but he, he was drafted in 19. So, yeah, he was a rookie, was a rookie. on that team. Um, but, yeah, there's not a lot there. So, I, I would think the Niners are probably similar with well, not Bosa, that many. Uh, was Dre Greenlaw? Is Jimmy Ward still there? Uh, Get the Jim, Jimmy Ward's no longer We got there. plenty of time to Dylan's, study this. Yeah, we got like two minutes left. We got. We no, got, I mean for the next two weeks. I, I'm, we'll just, study I'm just trying to like, like off the top of my head, try and think of. Yeah, there's probably not a ton. I mean, uh, Debo was a rookie. Yeah, he'd been a rookie. He was a rookie. Brandon Ayuk would have been drafted the year fall. Kyle Yuschek is still there. Kyle Yuschek. He's touchdown. They're running backs, no chance. Yeah. Um, Bosa was there. They got some guys. They probably have. Force Buckner. I would think there's more of them than there are Chiefs. Fred Warner. He's still there. Fred Warner's still yeah. there. So I think there's more of them than there are Chiefs because the Chiefs really turned that defense. You guys off. already say Armstead. No, he's still there. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but Darius Ward just well, Trent Williams teams. wasn't there because they had uh, who was the old dude? <laughs> Staley. No, Ronnie Staley's for uh, no. John, oh, the, the old, old Joe Staley. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was their left. I mean, I think yeah. it was his last game. Yeah. Yep. Maybe. Uh, so Trent Williams wasn't there then. But there's they've turned it over, but not like the Chiefs. I mean, who on the Chiefs' offensive line was on the team? Allegretti. That's, no, but like, like if he, if he <laughs> Starter, wasn't starting, yeah. yeah, 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 nobody, no, nobody. Chris Jones was there. Derek Noddy was there. He's hurt right now. I, they could actually use him. 
getting back to help stuff the run yeah, in the middle. Could. Nick Bolton wasn't there. Drew Tranquil wasn't there. Drew wasn't there. Justin Reed, McDuffie, Joshua, Jalen, Dion. Nobody right there. Yeah, it's a lot lot different. Dana. No, he could have been next year. I think Dana was the next year. Because this is year four for him, right? Yeah, so he's a 20 draft pick, too. Man, crazy. Yeah. But you know who else was there? Shanahan and Andy Andy Reid. Their defensive coordinator's gone, though, isn't he? That's Robert Sala. Steve Wilkes. Spags is back, though. Can can Steve Wilkes just coach like he did against Detroit and coach how he did when he was at Mizzou, please? Because that'd be lovely. Where he's like, you know what? Mahomes is great under pressure. Is this, is this and he, Mizzou's and he, 17th and, and he crushes zone. under Eli now? And he crushes zone. So what we're going to do is we're going to rush after him and run zone. Who's your DC now? What's his name? New guy? Don't. We're, not doing, this. we're not doing this right now. I'm sad. What's his name? No, we're not doing this right now. We're not talking Mizzou football. How many DCs have you had with Eli? Lebo. How many? Some? Chief by Baker's Dozen. Baker's Dozen? Lay it. Lay that money down. <laughs>